Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender, and there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. And thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by coming to www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, tonight, of course, we got a full-packed show, first starting off uh, with our special guest, uh, City Councilwoman Amy Murray, to talk about sanctuary cities. Uh, we will also be talking about... Uh, an article you will find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website on the newsroom about John McCain and the uh, possibility of looks of him being behind some of the uh, leaks uh, there in Washington. And then, of course, we're going to talk about in the third hour about the upcoming space race that is now starting to come again in full and seeing what the Trump administration uh, will do with that. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Uh, thank you very much, Amy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good, thank you. How are you? Great, great. It's great to have you back on, and I'm glad to see you still in council. They need it. Well, I am. I am glad to be on council. We're actually in election year this year, so working hard to uh, keep keep our vote and our views on council. Oh, certainly. I tell you what, it is a it, it's a madhouse there. Uh, I, you know, I live in a, a township outside of uh, Cincinnati, but still, what happens there still affects where I live, uh, and of course, you know, the county as well. So it's gonna. I tell you what, it's it's pretty much mostly left sided over there at this point, isn't it? Well, it is. It's interesting. Um, one of the newspapers recently did an article that in all of the state of Ohio, I'm the last Republican on a major city council. So as far as Cleveland, Columbus, Toledo, it, there's no Republicans left on a city council, and I'll be the last one for reelection here in, in Cincinnati. So, you know, I think you want to have all voices heard and you want to have difference of opinions in every organization. So, uh, but Right now, I'm definitely in the minority. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's like seven to one or seven to two there, uh, and 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 no more important. Well, I mean, yeah, there's you know important issues, but one is of course what we're going to talk about tonight, and that's sanctuary cities. Uh, and so, of course, yeah. this is uh, in regards to Mayor Cranley, who's up for re-election too, by the way, from my understanding. Uh, whereas, you know, some are saying, and I want to see what your thought. Do you think that this is just political, 
a ploy or a political grandstanding by, you know, Mayor Cranley in you know, regards to the upcoming election, especially with his opponents? We're going to you, you know what, I think it's anyway. – I think it's political grandstanding by all on council, by all members that supported this. Um, everyone was wanting to be the first one to jump on. And actually, council member Wendell Young was the one that brought this forward. And so I think it is for all of them. And what's interesting is it came forward after President Trump made the comments that cities could lose federal funding if they became a sanctuary city. So it happened after that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you, of course, you see the protests now, you see, you know, all of the major news uh, organizations, the networks, you know, I mean, they're definitely full throttle against anything uh, that Trump has, you know, has out there. Uh, and, you know, if the Democrats look, na- you know, nationwide, they they really should take up a key fear. I mean, since 2008, they've been steadily losing, losing, losing. And, and it was kind of putting, a, I think, Cranley wanted to just put a, a thumb in Trump's eyes. Uh, but I, I think that you know, very well made backlash. Now, maybe not in, in his reelection, uh, but I certainly think uh, once you know Trump starts putting taking notice uh, to what's going on here, uh, I think it may very well backlash with uh, what's going to the people are going to see. Well, and it's interesting for a mayoral race; it's all Democrats on that are running for mayor, and so mm-hmm. the two that are mayor and a councilwoman that's running both support Sanctuary City. And then um, a third person that's running. So I, I think, you know, from our mayoral leadership, you're going to have people that support this. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because people kept saying on council that it was a symbolic vote. And, you know, the thing is, when you're taking the chance of losing federal funding for your city, that's not symbolic. That's not what you should be doing. We shouldn't be playing politics with important, you know, road work or bridges that need to be repaired or replaced. Um, so for me, you know, that was that was really negligent to do that. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I was kind of hoping that, you know, yourself uh, or maybe, you know, someone else would, you know, frankly, yourself, I'd rather have preferred, uh, would have ran against Cranley uh, for the mayor. <laughs> um, I, I, but, yeah, I understand that the, the time for that has passed, unfortunately. I know just was a couple of days ago for someone to get in the running for that. It was. And, you know, in a city like this, you have to be realistic about your chances of, of getting a Republican to be able to run and win for mayor. And, you know, yeah, with our yeah. city being a largely Democratic city, it would be very difficult to do that. So for me, I felt that, you know, I'm best, my best purpose is to be on city council. And we've been able, you know, with, with some fiscal conservatives on council and often, you know, with the mayor, been able to make some really good fiscal choices for the city. And so I think that that's really important. Um, so I thought, you know, because it, it, if you run for mayor and if you don't get through the primary, then you still cannot run for council. So, no, um, yeah. yeah. And so I felt that we definitely yeah, need to have a Republican on city council and, and to have a vote and a seat at the table. No, certainly. Yeah, I, I get that. Just, oh, man, I tell you what. <laughs> so just really, you know, hoping that'd be a. A good one. I mean, and you would think that, you know, it's how some of the blue states turned red this coming election, perhaps, you know, it could have been other, you know, local politicians, you know, uh, local city council folks who could actually, you know, ride on that coattail, so to speak. But you would think maybe, you know, Cincinnati, I mean, there's a lot of people who were, you know, Democrats who, who voted for Trump. Uh, but bringing it back to Cranley is, you know, of course, and you mentioned this, he contends that uh, the C- Cincinnati and the city's not in any danger of losing any federal money uh, uh, because the city does receive money. However, 
you know, from the federal government for housing uh, and for some other enforcement, law enforcement projects. Uh, so do you think that what if it's discovered somehow that they're actually using, you know, the city paid housing uh, to house, you know, I know that's not redundant, uh, illegal, you know, immigrants, you know, things of that nature. Do you think if the attention was brought to that, that somehow that would give them a reason uh, to perhaps take away federal funds? Because, I mean, Cranley says he just doesn't believe it. He don't believe it that, that it would happen. Do you think that would open a door uh, for them withdrawing funds to the federal government? Well, I mean, I would hope not. I hope if it comes to the point where we're going to be losing needed federal funds, that our city council looks at this and does maybe what Miami-Dade did and say, you know what, you know, maybe some of the council members in a majority believe in the sanctuary city status, but if it's going to hurt our residents as a whole, then we're going to back away from it. So, you know, I just don't think it's a game that we should be playing. And, who know, you know, Trump isn't one to make idle threats. And, you know, he's been very clear about this. So I think it really puts us in, cro- in the crosshairs and we don't want to be there. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it's it, it's a, definitely a gray area. And, you know, what is a sanctuary city and who is, you know, what's the definition? But, I mean, I have the ordinance right here in front of us or the resolution, and it says expressing the desire for Cincinnati to be a sanctuary city. Um, and so, you know, I don't know the semantics of what, you know, when people are saying now that, well, we're not officially as far as with Trump taking away federal dollars, you know, I just don't think that you can play that game. Yeah, it's definitely a, a game of roulette, <laughs> if not chicken. Maybe maybe even chicken mm-hmm. is a better uh, analogy towards what they're doing. And, and let's say there is definitely that possibility of losing federal funding. I mean, dollars-wise, how much do you think would be a possibility of the city losing? Well, you know what, it's interesting because I've asked the city administration, it's hard to come up with the exact number because, as you said, we have different agencies here and different federal funds, whether it's, you know, home funds or or different federal programs. But, you know, I've heard uh, estimate as high as $80 million. But the other thing that you could lose that's not the hard money is, you know, recently Mm -hmm. there was a report that said the Brent Spence Bridge was number two on, um, you know, the – uh, Trump administration's list of infrastructure projects to be working on. Now, it came out afterwards that that might not have come from the Trump administration, but we're hoping that that's high, high on the list. What happens if that number goes down? You know, there's other projects we need that we haven't been guaranteed funding, but, you know, we, we could lose funding for those that we're hoping to have funding for. It could put us in a different position. So, you know, I think between the actual hard money that comes to the city and, you know, projects that we're hoping to be funded, it's a big risk. And it was interesting because at council, um, we have nine council members and everyone was talking about the sanctuary city. And it was so interesting, though, because everyone talked about immigrate, immigrants and talked about how we want to be immigrant friendly and we need to support immigrants. And they read the resolution and, you know, a council member even said, you know, if someone doesn't support this, you're going to be on the wrong, wrong side of history, like the Holocaust. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me, though, is no one ever differentiated between an immigrant, a legal or an illegal immigrant. And Cincinnati is incredibly friendly and has been for decades for the immigrant community, the legal immigrant community. Um, I was with Procter and Gamble and I've worked with our Japanese and Asian people that are coming over here to work, uh, whether it was with P and G or with other companies. 
and we have been very friendly and um, I've worked with many people that have, you know, worked to get their immigration status and to become U.S. citizens. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And they have felt nothing but welcoming in the city of Cincinnati. So, you know, when a council, I wanted to make sure that they were differentiating between legal and illegal. And, and, you know, they kept making it sound like this resolution was for all immigrants. It was just for immigrants, um, legal immigrants. And so I asked our city solicitor during the questioning, um, because it says it's expressing the desire of council for Cincinnati to be a welcoming an inclusive city for all immigrants to live, work, or visit by declaring the city of Cincinnati to be a sanctuary city. Yeah. And so I asked the administration, I said, I'd like, you know, since no one seems to be mentioning this, I'd like what, what is the legal term of immigrants here? You know, are we talking legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, or both? And, you know, she said it's both of those. So, you know, I said pretty much what we're doing then is saying that, you know, we, the city of Cincinnati, are welcoming all illegal immigrants to come work in our city. You know, that's what it is coming down that the council passed. And um, when we were at city, when we were in the meeting discussing this at the council meeting, we had a lot of people that came to speak. And, and there were two speakers that really stood out to me. One was a man from Iran and the other was a man from Norway. Oh, wow. and, they, and they both got up to speak and they both said, you know, I came to the United States. I had to wait to be able to get here, came the legal way. I, you know, got my green card. I went through all the steps and I'm really, you know, proud now to be a U.S. citizen, but I worked hard to do it, but it wasn't that difficult. And they said, I don't think we should be a sanctuary city. They said, I think people should follow the process the way we did. And, you know, and so it was interesting to hear from the immigrant community saying, hey, we did this and we think other people should be able to too. And we might have family at home that want to come over here, but to do it the right way. And if you're just, you know, lit, uh, if you're not following the laws, it just makes it hard for people to wait and do the right thing. Right. And two parts of that, I think was a, a good segue to, you know, the next couple of questions I have. And, and as we pointed out earlier, you know, I, I think this is, you know, just the popular thing to do at this time, you know, I mean, to get a lot of immediate attention. I mean, th- this made, you know, national news. I mean, it was, you know, it was nationally reported, you know, about, you know, creating this announcement. So yeah. maybe he's even looking even be on a mayorship, let's hope not. Uh, and, and I was actually, you know, I mean, I, I frankly, I voted for Cranley once, but that was, that's all it took, only once. But anyway, I digress. And you talked about funding uh, earlier. And so what do you think about the city putting, you know, these are city tax dollars. Uh, I think the yeah. amount of $50,000. Uh, of the taxpayer to a project called Cincinnati Compass, which is, uh, you believe, an organization or a project for immigrants and maybe even illegal immigrants uh, for educational uh, purposes. Well, you know, it's interesting because I just um, heard about the illegal part of that. And so we're asking the administration for a report to understand where that money is going to. So, you, you know, what worries me is we're in a city that has a huge poverty level, um, we have a very high level of our children that are in poverty and, you know, yeah, there's even reports dollars, on that. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so any dollars that we have right now really need to go to the citizens of the city of Cincinnati Thank that you. are having issues right now and need help and need support from the city. And we're not at the point where we're taking care of our own right now that we can really reach out and lend a helping hand. Um, and I, I don't think we should be doing it with illegal immigrants anyways. We, we have people that we need to be supporting here in the city that are struggling and that need our support. 
Right, and it's and it's taxpayer, and that's the thing that kind of gets my problem, Amy. Is I mean, this yeah. is taxpayer money that's going to non helping, as you pointed out, non citizens. When we have plenty, I've got a a, a gentleman, uh, Scott, who you know sent a question that hopefully uh, of time, uh, Earl, you know, later on in the show for you that he wanted me to ask, you know, re- regarding this, and you know, hope we have time for that. Is that you, that's where, as you pointed out, that's where we should be spending our money. And you, and you talk about enforcing the law. I mean, we even have a sheriff. I mean, a uh, sheriff. I mean, interviewing a sheriff for the next couple of shows, but it, uh, Chief Isaac, yeah. uh, who, yeah, stated uh, that Cincinnati, I'm quoting, will not be enforcing immigration laws. I mean, what if people in the in the city and then, you know, you got California talk about being a, a sanctuary state. What if, you know, the people in or Colorado or who went in the Colorado is not a good example, uh, but California. Or, you know, or here, you know, in Cincinnati or Ohio, just decide, you know, we're just not going to obey the, we're just not going to enforce the drug laws. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was a huge question that a lot of people brought up that came to speak before council. They said, you know, when is it that you as a city are able to pick and choose which laws you're going to support and when you're going to support them? And I think, you know, we all took an oath to uphold the Constitution and I think we need to do that. And that means you follow the laws and you might not agree with all of them, but it's our responsibility to follow them. But especially when not following them. Well, I mean, no matter what, you should follow the laws. But in this case, it really puts our citizens at risk. It risks losing mm-hmm. critical funding that we need. And it changes, uh, res- uh, allocates resources to different things than to the community that really needs it right now. Now, now can Chief Isaac, for instance, I mean, can he lose his job for not following the law? I mean, he's not following the law. He's not avoiding his oath. Is there any uh, repercussions for that? Um, I mean, he stated, we're not going to enforce the law. Isn't that your job? Well, I I think that when your city has declared itself to be a sanctuary city and, you know, council pretty much said, this is what we want you to do. Yeah, they voted on it too. Yeah, so I think he was following the direction of council on that, um, and, and I think he will follow the direction of council. So if it ever changes, I think he would. And you know, if, if it comes to push comes to shove, shove with the federal government, then things might start changing. But you know, it's hard. You don't want to put our safety officers at risk. You don't want to put them in, in not knowing how they should be reacting in certain situations. Um, I think that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. And what do you think? And, and what do you think that you know now that I mean, for folks who do not know, I mean, Cincinnati has been considered or been practicing at least, uh, you know, the policies of a sanctuary city, you know, for the past two years. I mean, and that's why in, in the first question is, what well, does this look more like a political ploy than anything else, or to just put a thumb in, you know, Trump's eye, or or just make uh, you know, make hay mm-hmm. because. They can get national attention. There's election. Is that they've been practicing being a sanctuary city for two years now. You know why now? You know, of course, as we just, we, you know, we just stated. But yeah. now with Trump in office, you know, what do you think? You know, if anything, you think that the Trump administration will do when you know once they, it starts coming around uh, to take an action against these sanctuary cities? Well, I, I mean, the Trump administration has said that they will cut federal funding to sanctuary cities and. You know, I have no reason to believe that they won't follow through on their words and of what they've said. And when you were referring to Cincinnati, it has been kind of a sanctuary city for the last two years for people that might not be familiar. Um, within the last two years, the city of Cincinnati and city council voted. I didn't vote for this, 
but they voted to have these ID cards. So, um, oh, and mm-hmm. I think it was through Catholic Charities. So they came, they came up with these ID cards. And it was interesting because once again, when it was presented to me, it was presented as this is a way to really help immigrants that come here. If you have re- citizens that are reentry, um, coming back from prison, and it's hard for them to get a driver's license, we want to make it easy for them to get a license so that they can go about their daily business, which sounds great. And it's wonderful to do. And, you know, and they said sometimes it's difficult for someone to be able to afford the price of a driver's license or too onerous to do that, or maybe they don't have all the paperwork. And so this organization will take the responsibility for all of that. And, you know, it, it sounded fine what they were talking about. But once again, then I asked, are you talking about legal immigrants or illegal immigrants? And, mm-hmm. you know, it came back both. And so the city for two years has been issuing ID cards for anyone who wants them um, that, you know, if they get stopped by a police officer, it's, you know, kind of a get out of jail free card. They, they can't be uh, turned over to ICER to anyone. And so, as you said, that's well, kind of been where the city has already been for two years. And, and you know what? And it breaks my heart. I mean, I certainly think we're in a tough immigration situation. We absolutely are. And the, the federal situation, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation right now. And I feel badly for families that are here and people that get separated. And you certainly don't want that to happen. Um, but, but I think we've got to set parameters. You know, someone does eventually to um, – you know, our, our immigration law and to, to put their foot down and say, this is what it is. And people need to follow that. So we're, people aren't put in these situations. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we'll go ahead and bring in Scott's question. I mean, he asked me, I'm going to be paraphrasing is, you know, one of the things he's upset about is he's like, well, they're doing all these things for, you know, illegal immigrants, but it seems like they're not really doing anything for, you know, our veterans, you know, the VA, what have they done? And, and these cards that, you know, you're talking about, I think it's right in hand in hand with Scott's trying, what you know, was saying is, you know, it seems like we're we're doing all this, you know, bending over backwards for the illegal immigrants who aren't even citizens in this country, but we have our veterans that were, frankly, in his opinion, neglecting. And, you know, what were the services yeah. for them? I agree. I think Scott is absolutely right with that. It's interesting because being on city council for three years. I have people that are often coming to advocate for other groups. Very seldom do you hear someone advocating for the veterans. Um, I'm sure these ID cards can be used uh, for everyone. But, you know, I think our veterans are are definitely um, left out a little bit. And a lot of them or some of them come back and, you know, um, we're seeing some issues with heroin with some people and, and things like that with some of the drugs. And we need to be supporting those who took care of our country, who took care of us. Well, and also, I mean, we're, you know, with, with the refugees, I mean, I don't want to sound callous. I'm sure sometimes I may, but, I mean, you, you have the refugees coming in. You have the illegals coming in. And, you know, especially, you know, with the refugees probably, I mean, they're they're not working. They're probably getting some type of government assistance. I heard uh, once that where it was like $230,000 per refugee, and, you know, mm-hmm. for food, shelter, clothing, you know, you know, try to educate them. I had 235000 Per person, and then so yeah, you know, not only with the ID cards you pointed out, I mean the the, the ones the illegals who are coming in, I mean are you know they're taking you know medical, I mean they're not going to the doctors if something happens to get to the hospital, you know, or you know that they're not working, then they they're able to get you know somehow they're able to get on you know the welfare system, you know just for a thing of that nature. 
No, you are absolutely right. And, and as I said, I mean, maybe some cities are able to handle, you know, refugees better than we would be able to. But with our city and our pro- poverty level, we have a real issue here that we have to take care of. And, you know, it's like kind a of like when million you fly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when you, you fly, you know, they say put on your um, – your breathing tube first and then put on a child or anyone you're traveling with. And it's the same thing, you know, before we can reach out and help others, we've got to have our own house in order and we're not in order. Now we are not taking care of all the people that are in the city of Cincinnati right now that need help and they need to get on their feet. And, you know, one of the perfect examples is you, you look at our bus situation. We have a lot of people that aren't able to get from where they live to where they work, people that don't have cars. And, you know, we're having to look right now, do they put on a sales tax increase um, do they cut service? And, you know, th- this is a critical issue where we're not able to serve the people in Cincinnati to help them be able to get from work to home. Um, and, and we still have just a, a lot of work to do to be able to take care of the people that live here and that need support to make Cincinnati even, you know, better. Yeah, they definitely have, a, you know, a lot of things, you know, here to do. I hear those reports all the time, you know, I mean, so, you know, Economically, things to do when they're that, that type of thing. You know, they really revitalize the downtown area, uh, but that's not really getting to the crux of what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, you, they just did a special last year, I think, about poverty in America, poverty in the United States, mm-hmm. and they're talking about they, you know, they on Cincinnati and how the and you mentioned earlier the childhood, you know, the childhood poverty uh, here in Cincinnati. And and last uh, question here, because I know they they said you had about a half hour for me, so I want to be able to get this in. And there's one, you know, a couple other folks than yourself. Go ahead. Oh, there are other folks uh, than yourself who are, you know, trying to combat this. And one of those is, of course, uh, the treasurer, uh, Mandel. Now, he's uh, proposed, uh, I guess, you know, something for to make sanctuary cities illegal with even a possibility of a five thousand. Now, I like this idea. I think it should be more of it, whereas uh, it could be a $5,000 fine uh, up to 18 months in prison, which would be great. I'd love to see family bowling bars. I'm sorry. I'm just not a big fan. Uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I just got out myself. And you, um, you voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once. The first time, that's because, yeah. you know, it was a West Sider. I'm from the West Side. You know, I, I did the first time, but, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Uh, so they mm-hmm. traded for him the one time. You know, it was, you know, it's a local guy. I think we even went to the same high school. Um, but I do but have anyhow, to tell you one thing, though. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'll, I'll keep this question. Go ahead. Though, when we're looking at all the mayoral candidates and everything, though, you know, you have the pool that you have. And one of the things that people keep attacking Cranley about is saying, well, look, at he has Republicans and people that are Democrats as chairs of his committees. And so I really appreciate the way, though, you know, we might disagree on some things, and I definitely do with John. But, you know, there's many things that we agree on, and I appreciate it that he – Oh, we got, we got cut. You got cut off there, Amy. <laughs> Maybe someone didn't want to hear that. I'm just kidding. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. There you go. Okay. Yeah, but but I'm just saying. So I appreciate it because his you know detractors right now are chairs of his committees, and so you know I appreciate that he works collaboratively with people. And when any of these things come up, he talks to us. We all work collaboratively. Where in some administrations that's not going to happen. 
So, um, you know, I do have to say I really appreciate that. Okay, and this, you know, all this is our podcast, so we we will have that will be available <laughs> for for yeah. folks there, and is now on the record. Uh, but but this, so what what do you what do you think about Mandel's uh, you know, proposal? You know, and, and also not only that, you can uh, you can there's actually civil possibilities of suing. I think even you know the representatives up to a million dollars, at least suing the city up to a million dollars if. You know the the folks who get that designated uh, or, or designate the city as a sanctuary city, and, and something happens crime wise, whatever. I mean, there could be a civil suit against them. Well, I, I find that fascinating, and I don't know where this uh, legislation is at this point, or if it's going forward at all. I mean, I just haven't seen anything like that where a city council or members would be held criminally or civil, civilly liable. Um, you know, would it be just the members that voted for it? I would assume it would have to be that way. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this is something that they're legally able to do. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I don't know where that will go. Um, you know, but but it's interesting. And, you know, it's just different for me because I work in a very democratic city. And so, um, you know, but the state legislature, it's interesting because it's so Republican and they're able to make some changes, or, uh, you know, so they're going to have to decide as a group if this is something that they want to go forward with. Yeah, through my understanding, at, at this point, it would not be uh, would not be retroactive. So I guess they couldn't go back and, you know, like arrest Cranley or something of that nature for it or, or <laughs> find him or or maybe even yeah. be sued. Uh, just, but they said it wouldn't be retroactive, even though. Maybe I'm more more of a hawk on this issue <laughs> than than I would say. Yes, make it out retroactive. Make it retroactive. Uh, but you know, I may be more of a hawk in that instance uh, <laughs> for that. Uh, well, so, it is an interesting concept, and I think once President Trump starts to do something, you know, if he does start to take away federal funding, I think we're going to start to see a shift in some of these sanctuary cities, like Miami Dade has. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly. We're not, I mean, there's just so, so much, so much you can do at uh, at one time, and he certainly has his hands full with what he's, you know, dealing with now. You know, I mean, he's he's, he's getting it from every corner. And that's actually part yeah. of our, our next segment at the top of the hour. Is I mean, he's even he's even getting it from Democrat. I mean, Republicans at this point. And I think that it, it's not as much you know him being Republican or even an, I think it's more of him being an outsider, not being part of the political club is why he's getting so much grief from even some members of his own party. Yeah, I mean, it's been fascinating to watch, you know, when President Obama was president, you know, I've always supported, you know, and tried to be respectful of the office. And, um, you know, hopefully things within our nation, you know, get a little better in the next few months. Yeah, definitely. And I think they will. I mean, I've got a lot more, you know, I hope I'm in, in the third hour to talk about revitalizing the space program. And that's something that, Obama put in Nixon because he said, we, you know, we can't afford it. But after repatriating a lot of this money we're talking about, uh, you know, doing, mm-hmm. and then, of course, bringing the economy up, uh, re- redoing how we, you know, spend a lot of our money, having the EU, you know, pay their fair share. I mean, the Democrats love to say that phrase. I was saying that today uh, earlier. I know this is a little off topic, but, you know, that's one of the phrases you, you lo- Democrats love to say is, well, we want to make sure these people, i.e. the rich, you know, are paying their fair share. But once yeah. you know Trump says it about you know about these European countries paying their fair share when it comes to you know NATO and paying for our military us basically being their military you know they'll be like oh my gosh you can't say that to them 
Like it's ironic. It's hypocritical, in my opinion. There's been a lot of ironic things that have gone on lately. So, uh, <laughs> quite, quite, yeah, certainly. quite a bit. But I always appreciate yeah, no, you coming on your show and talking about this and, uh, you know, r- really appreciate all that you do. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's great to hear from you. But one last question. This has to do pretty much with yeah. you. So, you know, you got an election coming up. And, you know, we, we, we hope you get back in, certainly, because as you pointed out, you know, definitely need, you know, other voices uh, to be heard. Uh, but l- let's say you are in your own city council plans for Amy Murray. What, what would you like to see yourself be? Uh, now, you know, maybe, as you pointed out, may or might not be something for you just because of uh, the political dynamics in Cincinnati right now. Uh, maybe something a uh, county commissioner at some point or some other office you would like to play a part in? You know, it's so interesting because I'd been with Procter & Gamble for 14 years, and my uh, specialty is Asian business development, and I had a dream job. And so I really loved what I did for my vocation. And so for me, uh, going into public service, it was truly just a calling to help the city. And so all of this is icing on the cake in you know a career that I have loved. And I really enjoy, even though it's so challenging, being on city council because I feel like we need to have all our voices heard on city council and in our city. And so I love what I am doing here. And, you know, I'm focused, just laser focused on getting reelected because it's always going to be a challenge. I came in ninth out of nine in the last election. And um, so I'm really focused on what I need to do here. And, you know, and then I'll look at what else there is out there. You know, luckily, I'm not a career politician. I had a great career, but as long as I can continue serving, I'm happy to do that. And so I'm just trying to stay focused through this November. It's it's a stressful time. They've already, there's nine candidates. We all run at large, so we're not in districts. And so far, 35 people have already taken out petitions to run for council. So um, it will be crazy. Yeah. Well, it sounds so like it. And it'll be elections yeah, all over again, right? It's like, it's like we just got over them. <laughs> I know. So I appreciate, you know, any of your listeners that they go to my website is amymurray.com and I'm on Facebook and, you know, would love any support and help so that we can keep our voice being heard in the city of Cincinnati. Well, well I'm in Delhi, so, I mean, I, unfortunately, Amy, I can't vote for you. I guess I know a lot of people in Cincinnati. Uh, and of course, but you know, if you need somebody, to, you know, even though I'm not uh, in uh, Cincinnati, I'm, I'm on the edge of it, so I can I'm happy happy to put a sign in my yard and and, and tell for you because, you know, city council, you know, house representatives, which I mean, I, I really think we'd like yep. to have your your voice there as well because you're as you pointed out, and I know you got to go, but you're you're not a career politician, you know, you have you know the private sector years, you know on your belt. And so, you know, we, I just like to see more grassroots, uh, you know, folks out there and, you know, you know, moving up uh, the ladder, so to speak, the political ladder. Cause I mean, having these people like John McCain, who we're going to be talking about later, it just, those are the types of people, in my opinion, I think they've been there too long. It's, it's, it's time for them to have uh, fresh folks in there, uh, people who still remember what it means to be in the private sector and, and part of the grassroots. But thank you very much, Amy, I really appreciate it, and uh, the best of luck. And definitely want to have you again on the show as the election gets closer uh, to the election day. That, that would be great. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You take care. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night. You too. Good night. Good night.
And, and folks, we have Kelly on the line, so let's go ahead. We've got other callers here. Just push the one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. Uh, but let's go ahead and get Kelly in. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm actually pretty excited hearing um, some girl that's on fire, some lady I should properly address her as, um, who really cares about the city. And I love, absolutely love a woman's perspective uh, in the political arena. They're more by oh, nature. Uh, Kelly, I'm so – Kelly, let me apologize for you. I heard my phone ring and then beeping and all stuff, and I, you wanted to mention something uh, to her. Then if you want to send me something in an email, because uh, I do have her email address okay, uh, where well, I can I wanna, uh, email her the, that information. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Well, what I want to do is go ahead and keep talking that maybe she'll listen to herself um, because I have a perspective as a civil engineer, but back to being a woman more nurturing, caring about the needs of the community. And she was she was nailing it. You know, what about this problem and busing and this and that? And as a civil engineer, there's always infrastructure upgrades, water plant, sewer plant, uh, stormwater stuff, roads, bridges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and cities are always in need of money for infrastructure. And where's that money going to come from if the feds go ahead and, you know, cut out the funding for sanctuary cities? I mean, that's where a lot of grant money's come from, come from the state and then from the uh, uh, the feds. But what if the state decides to go real conservative and cut the funding off to sanctuary cities? You know, and we're not talking just infrastructure needs here and future infrastructure needs. We're talking about the police and downtown, downturn economies uh, crime is up, and there's not enough money for the police force. Where's the money going to come for that if they're pointing it towards Ill- illegal immigrants? Um, you know, I, you know me, I volunteer at the homeless shelter. There is an infinite need there. Why are we not taking care of our own? And I think she was nailing that very well. If I was Cincinnati, I would be definitely voting for her because it's a simple rule. you got to take care of your own first. You know, and, and going to the board meetings at the homeless shelter, you know, it's a small town, Wairiki here, California. You know, we're we're setting up rules when we build our permanent building. Is look, we're taking care of locals first. We got to take care of locals first, not not the transients that come off of I five that just want a free ride for a while. Like, no, we got to take care of our locals first. I mean, we've had up to you know, we don't got about sixty five hundred, seventy five hundred people in town. We've had nights up to twenty seven people, and we've had babies in there, uh, newborn babies. We've had kids. We've had a, a teenage girl. Um, I mean, these are locals, and I'm, I'm telling you, take care of locals first. Amy is on top of that, and I just I, I don't know why um, the city council who are voting sanctuary cities I don't know how they're going to expect to get reelected. I, I I just don't know how they can expect to get reelected when they pass. Yeah, I'm actually cities. thinking about that myself. Yeah, I mean, because people might be you follow a lot of liberal stuff, but they still might not want to see. You know, this happened. Go ahead. Well, I mean, that's pretty much my short for Amy and support of Amy and where she's going. You could take care of your own first. It's that simple. And there are so much needs, and she knows probably more about it than I do. But if she talks to us, uh, maybe the city engineer or a private engineer, find out what the infrastructure needs, what are the budgets, uh, what are the necessities, and all of a sudden you're going to realize where we're we going to come up with this money to keep our upgrade. Go to the chief of police. How much money do you need down the road? How are we going to get? And I think she's the chair of their depart of their transportation, I believe. Okay, well, yeah, transportation. There's another one, not just infrastructure, transportation, police, all these things that make a city run smoothly. If she gets with the top people, 
what's your budget, what do you think it's going to need in the next five years, and how are we going to fund it if we don't get federal funding because we are now intaking all these people from all over the world that don't come through the legal process. I, I just, I, again, I don't know how the people on the city council who voted for sanctuary cities, I don't know how in the world they're going to expect to get reelected because the local residents who are there legally have been neglected. I, I yield my time to somebody else. Well, definitely, and yeah, she's with that struggle, and I, I mean, in, you know, I would have the best of, you know, for to come, you know, for her election, but, and she said something so true as well. I mean, it is such. I mean, I don't, you know, I live right outside of the city, but, I mean, it's, it, it is. I mean, it's so Democrat, it's unbelievable. Which, of which I, you know, kind of thought that perhaps, you know, the way as I state, you know, stated in the interview, where you know you have. It's all these blue, these blue states that's gone red. You'd think maybe a, a county or maybe even a city would do that, you know, because, you know, just the, the, the blue-collar workers and things of that nature. But, you know, unfortunately, Cincinnati has become a pretty a pretty liberal place, unfortunately, uh, which, which surprises me because, I mean, Cincinnati, the seven hills of Cincinnati, I mean, there's so many Catholic churches, and, you know, and, you know, and but Catholics, I from I thought were conservative, but you gotta have a lot of priests coming out now. You know, and I just know this. Not that I'm, you know, going to the masses, but I talk to people, and you know, they, I mean, they've got, you know, a lot of your, a lot of your, and this is coming from the Pope, remember, a lot of your Catholic priests who are becoming more and more liberal. I mean, they're real open borders, you know, becoming real open borders folks, and you know, I, I think that's kind of maybe torn out or spilling out. And to the congregation where they're really getting that bleeding heart liberal is what it's starting to sound like to me. And, and it really isn't. And unfortunately, you know, as she pointed out, the poverty in Cincinnati is getting worse, you know, even with, you know, childhood poverty. And unfortunately, p- people who were in poverty for some reason still think that it's the Democrat Party that, you know, it's the people that they can turn to when it's not. It's like, listen, folks, they're not giving the money to you. You know, they're, they're they're turning it over to people who aren't even citizens. Oh yeah, I. It's, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 just scratching my head how people would even, I mean, neglect their own for some people that they don't even know who aren't local. I I I just I'm just scratching my head. I mean, sure, the people in Cincinnati want to suffer their infrastructure. Uh, have bad roads, have bad busing, have bad police, have bad normal public services. There is no infinite checking account to handle all these illegals. I, I'm just like, come on, guys. Um, you know, I'm in a more conservative area um, where I live, and even here uh, we heard. And not in California. <laughs> yeah, that, well, well, Northern California is different than the rest of the state, but in um, you know the conservative town. I mean, in our county, I think we have our three token Democrats. I see them at the county fair every year. But, you know, even here, there is some, um, well, okay, a higher up within the city, okay, they work for the city. I won't mention their name or their position. Uh, We turned in plans for the building back in December, a a permanent homeless shelter. And and this high up says there will never be a homeless shelter in, in my RECA. 
okay, it's legal what we've done. We've got the zoning, everything, but somebody's going to is fighting us right now. The plans are getting delayed and getting approved. You know what's going on, guys? Well, they don't want all these transients. They're going to be Americans, of course, but they don't want these transients. Well, wait a minute. This city doesn't want transients that are American. Then what in the world do you think where your city's doing? I, I just I'm just scratching my head. I, I don't I, I just let's take care of our own first. Um, that's a big plug for Amy. I'm I, I vote for in a heartbeat from what I heard tonight. And I hope people can splash around on the on. And I hope Robert, you go ahead and send her this email. Uh, you know your your uh, our conversation here and hers as well. So she can take that, put it on Facebook all over, send it through email, through a bunch of channels, so people, you know, and, and friends of hers send it out throughout the community. This is how you can win elections, folks. The modern technology, you know, send it to uh, a person who will send it to two people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you really get much better of a flavor of a candidate than you do by just television ads, radio ads, and banners, and da-da-da-da-da. Is flashing this around the web, folks, to really help uh, Amy get reelected. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and I remember when she was first running back in, I think it was even 2012, uh, when you know she was running. You know, when, when she the first time she's never been in city council before, and you know, I was just speaking to what she's gotten reelected as well. But yeah, they certainly need her voice on there. And I mean, she's definitely somebody who I would I would like to see move on. And politics, that's the, that's the thing that's the same, is that, and I do see other folks on the line, if you'd like to uh, chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. So anyway, and so, you know, she definitely, as I said, she had private sector experience, you know, real, you know, grassroots individual, knows what it's like, you know, to, to work for a living, right? And so... You know, you, those are the types you want to see move on, you know, I mean, the, you know, to, to, to move up a little bit. Now, you know, of course, some would say that the more they're in, the, the, the more they move up, you know, the more corrupted they can get. And I know that's always the possibility for that. Uh, but, you know, there's some people, you know, definitely could be that, you know, what, what's that, that movie, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, or in her case, Miss Smith uh, Goes to Washington. You know, could very well, because we know, I mean, we need to get rid of folks. In my opinion, like John McCain, we're going to be talking about uh, in the next hour. But I do see it is quarter to that hour, and I did miss this at the bottom of the hour. And that is, and I'm remiss of my duty. So let's go ahead at this time here from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com which Bard's Logic Political Talk is a proud uh, member. And uh, you can see that as well as links on our website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, such as the article we're going to uh, look over as part of our second uh, segment for tonight, uh, which you can also find with, and I'll give you some titles later, 
uh, some of the headlines on the Bard's Logic newsroom, uh, where you can subscribe uh, to the newsroom. Just put in your email address, and then it, you automatically, when the newsroom updates, uh, you'll be getting reminders that you've got some new articles uh, that you can look at. So you can check that out on the what show's website at www.barnslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And so, yes, back to, you know, Sanctuary Cities and our guest, Amy Murray, is, yeah, I mean, so I remember what you just came in uh, to politics, and I really wish, you know, it sounds like she, after this time around, whether she gets in or not, uh, I think she sounds like she wants to get back to the private sector, which, you know, I mean, she's still young, you know, hopefully, you know, she'll move on and move up. I would like to see that, uh, but, but we'll, that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll we'll see what she does. But, again, we're already talking about elections already. It's it's only February, but it's like you just get done with one, and now you got to think about the next. So I'll definitely have her on uh, again so that we can, you know, get her running and, get, you know, get get some exposure out there for her. And, and, and you definitely check out her website. And that's whether you're, you know, live in Cincinnati or even Ohio. I mean, this is a national show. But that doesn't mean you can't go out and, and show support and, you know, if you got some extra money and they, they need campaign funds, see if you can uh, help them out with that as well, even though they don't live there. Uh, I don't think they have to have people from within the city donating to them personally. I, I don't know. That's something I'd have to check into. But I, I don't think that would be a problem. Because, I mean, if, folks, I mean, as she pointed out, she's, there's, there's nine people on her city council, okay? Only two of them are non-Democrats. I think one's a charter right or charter member or whatever, and then and then a Republican. I think that's why they make it. I think the rest are, are Democrats. So if you, I mean, if you can imagine, well, you can, Kelly. I mean, you got you're in California, so I'm sure you can imagine. That. Well, I, I just met with a client that was a uh, uh, big Bernie folk, and uh, you know, we had an interesting discussion. That libertarian people open up to me, both sides, but. Uh, you know, we were talking about the homeless. I want to throw out a, a stunning statistic about New York. Um, just guess how many homeless there are in New York City. You know, 10,000, 20,000, 60,000, 80,000. What, what would you guess? What were those numbers again, Kelly? Uh, 10,000 homeless, 20,000, you know, city of New York. 60,000, what, what would you guess how many homeless there are? I'd say 20,000. 60,000. And I got wow, okay, I was thinking that, but I thought that had to be too high. Yeah, so 60,000 in New York, and this is from a um, homeless advocate news uh, newspaper or newsletter. It was professionally done. Well, at the shelter, I was hosting overnight, talked to one guy from New York. He said, oh, there's a lot more now. He's been to the shelters there, and and there's underground people live in the tunnels and stuff. So you look oh, at my gosh. York, you look, yeah, you look at any city, I mean, we had 27. One night in our, our small town, okay? So you look at Cincinnati, all right? I don't know how many was it. What's the population of Cincinnati? Million? Two million? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think about four million actually came to my Cincinnati. It's a pretty big city. Okay, so I, I'm going to guess the homeless there might be, I don't know, 5,000. It might be more. I don't know. You, someone would have to get in touch with the shelters. Amy would have to do some work. But basically, I would show, look, here's the need. Here is the take care of our own need from the homeless shelters. we got all these people. Are there any kind of social programs we could fund? I mean, of course, I'm not into socialism per se, but, 
you know, it's it, it's like it's an example. It's an example. Here's where the need is, folks. We want to help our own first. Great. Look how great this need is. I mean, not just infrastructure, the police, and the transportation, and da 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 da. Okay, not not just the normal stuff of the city, but you got human needs. That, I mean, it's ridiculous, and we're going to ignore people in society that society rejects for some people we don't know from another country. I it, it, just simple farm boy sense. That don't make no sense to me. You know, Billy Bob <laughs> he'd be upset about that stuff, and his cousin Billy Joe. I, it just don't make no sense. Sorry, I'm just, you know, take care of your own. Well, we might have been way off. I, I, this doesn't sound right to me, but I'm looking at something that says the population of Cincinnati is 296,943. That just, that just doesn't sound right. Well, you <laughs> got your some suburbs and all your, yeah, all your suburbs and you add it up. Um, like Sacramento had a, a million, but that's, you know, Citrus Heights, Rancho Cordova, uh, Nantomas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so you got a million people in the metropolitan area, if you will, but the city proper is going to have smaller numbers. But it's, it's your, you know, your, your cities that pop up. Yeah, okay, maybe cities. it's 2 million. Let's see. No, it's still saying 298,000 people in 2015. I, I'm, maybe I was way off. I it's yeah, well, very low to me. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, another thing about the homeless is they seem to congregate downtown in the in the bigger parts of the bigger cities, even if they're from the suburbs. So it's you know it, you want to look at the needs of the city. There you go. Um, it, it, I just, I'm sorry, I'm just still scratching my head. It, it, you know, it, it, money doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't. You know, it's like that one person that says, "What do you mean I'm overdrawn? I still have." Blank checks in my checkbook. You know, is this the kind of budgeting that they're doing? I, I just, I don't get it. I just, uh, anyway, I, I just go Amy is all I can say. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I, she got cut out when she was saying some, I guess, some good things about uh, Cranley. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't like them. I mean, of course, she's, you know, on city council, so, of course, she's got to, you know, just say something, you know, good about her mayor. But, you know, NSA Bob kind of crackled that up, so I don't I don't know what happened there. Uh, but it did broke up. And she is on the record saying, you know, you know, there are some things she'll work with. I mean, I just, I just, as I said, he was a local guy. I mean, I trusted him, and I think he kind of broke the trust. And you know, I've seen him do too, too many things political. And, I mean, I would love, I mean, really, even though, it could hurt the city, and uh, it might sound callous. But, I mean, I hope Trump does do something by taking federal funding. And we do have a bridge here that really needs some work. And, 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 you know, I hate to say it, but it's probably going to take for someone to get killed by an illegal alien, you know, or a, t- a terroristic thing to happen or a bridge to collapse from lack of funding for people to wake up. I mean, it really does, and it's a shame it's going to have to say that. Just like these politicians are, you know, about the refugees and the illegal immigrants. It's like, what, do we have to wait till something happens here? You know, like what's been going on in Europe until we actually wake up and do something about it? I mean, is that what we got to do? Well, I mean, that doesn't Robert, make sense do you know to what me. Happened? Do, you, do you know what happened in San Francisco? Well, there was like a, a 15-year-old girl that was killed by one of these radical Muslims along the Fishman's Wharf somewhere, sightseeing, uh, I've been there. You know, San Francisco is an absolutely beautiful, stunning city. 
and just, you know, to go there, have dinner, walk around with friends, it's really, but, you know, this girl was killed, and what happened? Not much. It's not waking those people up in San Francisco. I mean, it's this is what it's going yeah. to take, and, you know, the Democrats being all, you know, and again, I'm a libertarian, I get the bash on both parties, but politically, politically. Tom Green Party's fucking do that, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. But, you know, politically, this is suicide. I mean, if the Republicans were doing the same uh, um, bovine secretion or BS, um, if they were doing the same BS, I'd be adamantly furious with the Republicans. It doesn't matter. If this is political suicide because these consequences are going to catch up to the Democratic Party of Cincinnati, of Ohio. You know, not not, not necessarily now. I mean, I'm... I, a little bit of work, I, I could see Amy getting reelected and, and another person as well. But years down the road, when people are starting to get killed, guess what? The Democrats are going to be hurting pretty bad, and maybe the Libertarian Party will start growing quite a bit because people are bailing. And there's a lot of Democrats frustrated at how um, uh, Bernie got cheated out of the uh, Democratic primary. Um, so there's some studies hinting, I think it was a Stanford study, 13 states uh, that should have went to Bernie went to Hillary. And, you wow. know, and conservative friends don't like this, but Bernie Sanders should be our president now. Why? Because you voted for Trump because you hated him less than you hated Hillary. You voted for Hillary because you hated her less than you voted than you hated Trump. Well, Bernie, you may not like his policies, but you don't hate him. It's that simple why he should <laughs> be the president now had he won the primary. But you know, it's real simple. Um, if you do this sanctuary city stuff, people start getting killed. The money is not there for fixing up infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, people are feeling neglected. Oh, well, we went ahead and approved this because at the city council, uh, our, our bank account was not overdrawn because we still had blank checks on our checking book. <laughs> Well, in Cincinnati, you know, in Cincinnati, I just seen an article that I mean, they're 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 twenty five. They got a twenty five million dollar deficit. A deficit or the debt? What's the deficit means? Deficit. Wait, it's, it's, it's a deficit. Twenty five million dollar deficit. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Hold on. Now let's take the population you had of, of Cincinnati proper, divide that into the deficit, and that's how much money every person owes every year. And, that, and that's just a deficit. The debt. Is years of deficit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a twenty-five million dollar deficit. It's not debt; it's deficit. <laughs> well, uh, what's what's the numbers? If somebody's got a calculator, divide the deficit. Well, let's, the well, let's, let's deficit. Pre- yeah, well, yeah. Let's presume that it was. You know, I'm just going off here. Where the thing is, that's two hundred ninety-eight thousand. I mean, that seems really low to me. Uh, but let's go ahead and say that. Let's say three hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, yeah, four million. I guess, I guess two million. Yeah, because those two million. Think about it. That would be what two percent of the population. So now, okay, I get it now. It must have been a so long wait, way it works. Go ahead. A two million dollars. Right. A two million dollar deficit. Twenty-five million. Twenty-five million dollar deficit. All right, so twenty twenty. Let's knock out the zeros. There's a simple trick here. I'm I'm driving. I can do head now. All right, so twenty-five. You got six um, zeros behind it. I have to say twenty-four for easy math. Okay, twenty-four with six zeros. You got um, 
uh, 300,000 population. Okay, so there's uh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I'm going to get rid of six. That's like $250. I think my math is right. $250 per person per year that you're going into debt. It's either $25 to $250 per person per year in debt that people didn't ask for. Now, you make that times 10, okay, for a 10-year deficit of this bad. Um, that's a lot of money. And in this budget, they're going to spend the money on a sanctuary city. Really? So, folks, you're going to have a lot more debt coming right at you, and locals are being neglected. <laughs> I just hit them. You know, what did Deep Throat say? Follow the money. Folks, follow the money. Follow the money. Right follow now. Let's see. Fault the debt. Fault the debt. Fault the debt. Wow. Let's see here. Um, wow. This is an article, July 2016. Uh, it says the debt is likely to increase to one billion two hundred seven thousand two hundred and fifty I'm sorry. 1,207,255,000 debt. The city's total outstanding debt is likely to increase to one billion two hundred and seven million two hundred and fifty five thousand. Wow. One point two a city. A city, folks. A city. $1.2 billion in debt. Okay. If you had a million people, a thousand million is a billion, right? So if you had a million people in your city, that would be $1,000 in debt per person. You all multiply by three, roughly. That's $3,000 that each resident of Cincinnati owes on the That's city debt. $3,000. Well, gee, how about the state? Let's add up the debt of the state. Oh, the federal government, too, and this is getting ridiculous. And so um, may, maybe I should run a business that way. Um, what, do you, what do you mean, uh, I, I bank teller, that I'm overdraft? I still have blank checks in my checkbook. Um, how, can, oh, how, can any, how can you just... $1.2 billion in debt. How? Like, the city's bankrupt. I don't get it. I'm not a mathematician, but wow. Well, you know what? I do, And, and we'll have to leave that uh, subject like that because I do see it's the top of the hour. And in this next segment, and we got John on the line. We'll get you in, John. Uh, but first, let me introduce the uh, second segment. We're going to be talking about uh, the downfall of McCain. And I've got an article here, and I'll read this, and then we'll go ahead and bring you in, John. And we do have some other callers to so just push that one on the number dial. Uh, when you like to get in, I want to welcome uh, False News Era uh, in our chat. So uh, we want to welcome False News Era in the chat. If you'd like to chime in, just give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial. We'll get you into the show. Uh, but let's go ahead, and I've got an article here uh, that you can find on the uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk website on the newsroom page. And the article uh, is 
Uh, now, it is from the – I'm not going to – just go to the website, and you'll, you'll be able to get the link. And the title is White House Fingers John McCain as Media Leak Believes U.S. Senator Eavesdrops on Trump's Classified Phone. Says this could be the beginning of the end for the embattled Senator John McCain's life in politics. According to White House officials, McCain is believed to have somehow gained access to the content of President Donald Trump's private classified telephone calls with world leaders. And he isn't keeping quiet about what he has talked about either. An analysis of McCain's recent public statements by White House officials, coupled with information from intelligence personnel working with the Trump administration, paints a disturbing picture for McCain or anyone elected a U.S. politician. Officials believe the senator has inside knowledge of a number of presidential Trump telephone conversations, including at least one conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Even more alarming, officials believe McCain is secretly sharing this sensitive information with colleagues and his cabal of friendly mainstream media journalists in a dangerous clandestine campaign to damage Trump's presidency even before he has a chance to succeed. Trump is searching for media rats in the Beltway in recent weeks. White House aides are confident they have now outed one of the major leaks plaguing the early days of the Trump presidency. To everyone's surprise, it's a senior senator supposedly belonging to the same side of the political aisle as the president. McCain has been lambasting Trump to anyone and everyone who will listen since the newly minted president's inauguration. This includes a Russian comedian who pranked McCain, posing as Ukraine Prime Minister Volodymyr, uh, whatever what the guy's name is, even during that troubling conversation where McCain shared sensitive U.S. intelligence with an imposter. White House aides said McCain unknowingly exposed himself as having inside knowledge of Trump's telephone conversation. He has been given transcripts or actually listened to the calls and is sharing what he has heard, an administration insider said. This is no doubt he is one of the major leaks. Just last week, a true pundit published a troubling account of how Russian comedian duped McCain. The chairman of the Senate Arms Service Committee, McCain, incredibly even coached the phone pranks posing Prime Minister on joining NATO. The audio recording of the phone call is absolutely incredible. It's time for Attorney General Jeff Sessions to determine the level of McCain's involvement and just how many laws he has broken. So let's go ahead and uh, people digest that, and I'll bring in uh, John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, Robert. It's good to listen to you and Kelly have such great intellectual conversation. Um, the point that I wanted to speak on was kind of there at the end of you guys' segment on, you know, these cities and their debt and whatnot. I don't know the details, but I wanted to at least prompt you guys' mind because you probably know better than I do. Many of the cities, you know, over the last 30, 40, 50 years or however long they've been around, they've been collecting pension funds from all their city workers and stuff going into these retirement accounts whatnot. And then they also borrow money through bonds and whatnot, and then they'll raise their tax dollars through city services if they have water or sewer or stuff like that that they provide, you know, trash pickup and whatnot, and they charge the um, local residents property taxes for a certain amount of school taxes and all. But then if you look, I think you can even Google on 
uh, online or do a query search for these co- these cities that have municipalities that have went bankrupt, like Detroit, Michigan. Well, even the state of Michigan was in a war while back. Stockton, California. I mean, what it wasn't Cleveland, Ohio, in bankruptcy here while back. I mean, you look at what they've done. Many of these people, they get, they keep putting out these, or the people that run the cities, they continue to keep putting out these bonds in order to bring in enough money to take care of their current liabilities. But the problem is, is those long-term, those bonds come due 10, 15, 20 years out into the future, but the tax base ain't changed much. Sometimes it's even gotten worse because a lot of these local cities are having to sell people's property out from under them because the people that live in the houses can't even pay their property taxes anymore. So they basically do some kind of seizure on the property in order to sell the property to get the tax money out by selling the property. And I just thought maybe if I shared a little bit of that, that might prop Kelly's mind on some of these issues or somebody else is on the on the line that know more about it because that's how many of the cities around america are setting themselves up for failure and then they don't really it's all lip service for the people in poverty because truthfully if you really care about people you're going to give them the choice to self-govern they have the right to determine what laws and you know, encumber them and burden them. Otherwise, you don't look at them as an equal. You look at them as if you're big, you're, you know, uh, upper echelon and they're third-party people and they don't have the right to be a free person or self-governing. So uh, back to you, Robert. Yeah, I mean, and the cane, I mean, I don't know what's going on with, uh, uh, you know, going on with him. I've, I've seen something uh, on two you know, two articles, Wellington, I'm doing a little bit more on that. Um, you know, this is from the Huffington Post, so I'm going to, I'm not going to read it on, on air, but I'm something I'm going to look more into it uh, on that, which, you know, I normally don't take much of what the Huffington Post has to say. Um, let's see. Okay, never mind. That's just something. That's just something else in the Huffington Post. So definitely, you know, Barr's investigation. If that is indeed, you know, things that, you know, are true, then that's definitely you know, getting some. And what surprised me? I mean, we we got this. Now this is a pretty lengthy article. I don't know if I'll even uh, read it, but uh, it is, uh, you know, pretty long uh, article on on Breitbart. Uh, here, I'll just give you the title. That says, Deep State Saga Continues, The Battle Between Donald Trump and John McCain. And, you know, then <clears throat> of course, you know, he's, you know, the, the media darling, you know, he always wants to be seen as a maverick. Um, and uh, welcome, Caldwell Madison Review. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know if that's the same as person as earlier, but uh, again, uh, welcome. Uh, it's good to be on. See you on. If you'd like to chime in, just give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. But anyway, with John McCain, is you know he's always wanted to be considered a maverick. Uh, and I see there was a little typo on the uh, <laughs> on the promo for tonight. Um, but you know he's always wanted to be seen as maverick. And I think that ever since he lost, um, you know the election, you know two thousand eight. I mean I think he's just kind of 
lost it, you know. <laughs> I mean, what do you think, Kel? I mean, he's been kind of, I don't know, out there since he he lost the election. Well, I mean, would you agree with that? Look, did we did we lose your uh, feed there, Kelly? I know he was driving, oh, maybe going to an area. I thought you were. Oh asking, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure what to say about John McCain. I can't say too many good things about him. Um, there's people in his home state that are working through the precinct strategy to remove him. And, uh, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So it's it's a real interesting uh, scenario. And I remember Did you got some good information on that? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He's an attorney with working on a precinct strategy. But there's a good chance he'll get him removed. But, you know, John McCain taking the position that he's above the president, that he can spy on the president. Really? You and I would go to jail for that, Robert. Um, maybe John wouldn't, but, you know. <laughs> of course you would. Everybody, of course you would. Everybody, everybody's like, come on. We don't got two sets of rules here. You know, the rule of law is kind of important. Oh, well, we know we do. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So the rule of law is kind of important. You know, the last king in, uh, that tried this on our soil got kicked off. We gave him a declaration of independence, you know. The rule of law was to be respected, which, by the way, you look at the British history. <clears throat> They were all over the place as far as the rule of law. I mean, for literally for centuries. And America, that started happening here, and we said we've had it. And so now we have some guy uh, named John McCain, some guy that thinks he's above the president that can spy on the president. You know, I want to get – gosh, I wish I had the money. I I would go wait even for days outside the office of the attorney general uh, sessions. You know, <laughs> it'll be cool. It'll be cool when session is in session. Um, but I would say, look, would you please let me go approach the grand jury? Just let me hand out, you know, 18 U.S.C. 1504. There's the law. I can hand out these one-page flyers that I want to appear before the grand jury and do a successful run or two and get – I got in front of a grand jury in August at my request, by the way. This isn't theory. I actually was before the Chiskey County grand jury. Won't go into details right now, but at my request, that's the right of petition. I would love to get with Sessions and say, look, open the doors. Let the people in. Let the grand jury decide, and they're going to, the public is going to present a whole bunch of evidence, and maybe your job would get simplified when the grand jury knew its full power, and we start taking down people like John McCain, who's spying on the president. All this dirty work that's going to be politically ugly for Trump, Oh, guess what? Grand jury is indicting people, not the president. The president doesn't have any control. Even the courts don't have control over the grand jury. Very, very limited, but it's about impossible. It's the way the court cases have ruled, the way the historical setup is of it, and we'd start draining the swamp so fast and make everybody's head spin. And then we wouldn't hear these ridiculous stories of senators spying on the president. I mean, you know, if you want to get a judicial warrant, if John McCain wants to go before a federal judge and get a judicial warrant, then great. If if he wants to go and get some type of um, subpoena from the Senate, great. That's fine. We need that. We need that system where, you know, you have a uh, congressional subpoena. It keeps the president in check. I don't care left, right, forward, or libertarian. You want to go through the proper channels to spy on the president? Then great. I hope you do.
if you went through the proper channels. Jeez. Is, is there any mention of that, Robert, in, in what McCain did, or did he just somehow hack and spy? And that guy that age, I'm not sure how he learned well, computers. It, it well, really, yeah, it doesn't really – yeah, well, I, and I don't have that article up any longer. I do have it uh, on – you can find it on uh, the Facebook page there, the Bard's Lodge Political Facebook page. Uh, you can you can find it there. Yeah, well, I doubt if he got a, a congressional subpoena or a judicial subpoena. I doubt if he did that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, it's and that's the only thing I've heard on it. So you know, as things develop, you know, perhaps we will, uh, you know, perhaps we will hear more on that. But yeah, you would think that there'd be some type of investigation uh, on that. But you know, I haven't seen uh, now the Hill. Um, let's see. Looking to put an article here in the Hill. Hey Robert, do you mind if I spy on you? Do you mind if I hack yeah, into yeah, your computer? Yeah, probably wouldn't like that too much. Okay, well, John, would you I, mind I, if I, I spy on you? I don't think you got that too much. I'm gonna do a little. Uh, go ahead, Charlie. Would hey John, would you mind if I spied on you, you without a warrant or a subpoena? You know. We have we have the rule of man deceitfully masquerading as the rule of law. Hackers are now ruling the world. We've entered that age. So everybody that don't know how to hack, you know, whether it be assembly language or C++ or PHP or whatever other kind of language you want to use, then you're going to be on the wrong side of the fence because we have not had the rule of law forever. We've had it for quite a while. It's degrading, degrading terribly these days. And we have our, uh, in general, we have um, and ladies on the line. We have our friend Naj on the line, and we're going to go ahead and uh, bring him in. Thank you very much, Naj, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Right, I'm all right, man. How you guys doing? Good, good. Hey, Happy middle of the week to us. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Happy middle of the week for everybody, man. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the that McCain thing, and I can't really find any good sources on it. I've seen rumors, and I've seen you know stuff that's not really credible saying it, but I can't find it anywhere right. I would really look. Uh, he actually took a surprise visit to Syria the other day. He's coming out and he's criticizing Trump, and then there's there's somebody saying that he may have possibly called the Australian uh, ambassador, so he might that may be a you know, violation of the Logan Act, but I, I don't. I haven't found anything about him spying on uh, Trump and getting on, getting into spying wonder, on anybody, well, especially. Yeah, well, just I, no, I don't know if it, I don't, Go ahead, and I'm gonna get a look at that article again because I did uh, uh, exit out of it, and so let me get. I'll, I'll look at it again because I don't know if it said it was spying on him. That he was he was the one doing the spying. That somehow he got a hold of the information. Somehow, but I'll, I'll go ahead and look that back up. Go ahead, Nash. Yeah, and that's the thing I wanted to get to. Uh, the Trump administration, most of their wounds so far have been self-inflicted. Uh, this thing where you close off your inner circle and you have the rest of the government operating in the dark and you just roll out these things and then they're responsible for speaking to those things or acting those things out, you're going to create a whole lot of dissension and you're going to have leaks. 
So I, I think that's what that McCain thing is probably getting at to where somebody leaked something. So Trump's probably trying to purge a lot of these different, administ- uh, you know, these alphabet groups. He's probably trying to get rid of a lot of people, but it's going to take some time. And as it goes, hell, if people think they're going to get the, you know, get the ax, they're going to start leaking things all day. So Trump's, Trump's like I said, Trump, most of Trump's problems so far have been self-inflicted. They, they've got to govern better because it looks like amateur hour a lot of times. Yeah, I did find the article here again. Yeah, the you know, I how I talked about earlier. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah all of a sudden, McCain it, comes out, actually barrels blazing. Well, no, it says he somehow. <laughs> yeah, it says he some. Uh, they believed he somehow gained access to the contents of Donald Trump's private uh, telephone calls. Now, perhaps if he's actually. Not, somehow he he's not the the leakers that someone leaked to him. I think is what they're alluding to. I'm not saying I don't think that they're saying that he's the one who's doing the spying or anything. But maybe I think they're alluding to that the people who were, uh, you know, we're we're reverting of course back to the Flynn situation, whereas perhaps someone who leaked on the Flynn situation also uh, got some information to uh, McCain. Is how I'm kind of reading it. Not that he actually. Uh, did it himself, but the information that they're feeding him, he's he's the one who's uh, kind of spreading that around. Is, is the way I read it. Yeah, that's not really actionable. So, so that's the problem. Like I said, they got to get this shop in order, or otherwise they're going to continue to have leaks. That, that's just the reality. And they don't they don't want to source and and vet most of their policies and most of the you know the way that they want to go forward. So, like you have the whole Capitol Hill basically waiting in anticipation for what he wants to do with taxes. Like, they're in the dark. They don't know. Uh, they don't know if he's going to touch the ACA first and then go to taxes, which is the sensible thing, or if they're going to go with this, you know, get rid of the mandate and then, uh, you know, be able to go to the taxes kind of free of the ACA hanging over it. So there's just so much going on, but it's <laughs> – I just hate that. I mean, they just got to govern better, man, because this is going to create leaks. If you're putting people's career – and in peril and they don't know you know what what's going on what's up or down and if they're going to be in or out yeah you're going to have a leaky problem nixon to tell you well what do you say <laughs> what do you say of uh oh, sure what are you going to say to the folks who say that you know but one there's always you know there's, there's always going to be leaks and things of that nature um but a lot of them are saying that these leaks are are holdovers uh, from the Obama administration, and we we kind of touched on well, you know, touched and uh, discussed that last week, uh, where you know you still have some holdovers who they haven't quote unquote got rid of yet uh, that are still working in you know they're the working you know yeah. in there. In the I, yeah, I've, I've heard that man. It, <laughs> it, look, man, that that doesn't really have much purchase with me. These people, for the most part, presidents come and go four to eight years. These people are trying to sit entrenched in those chairs they're in for as long as they can, and they could care less who's governing or who comes in. They'll, you know, they'll kind of play, you know, dance to the tune who's ever playing it. But if they have issues with how things are going, then you're going to have leaks. So the amount of leaks is the issue. Yeah, every administration is going to have leaks, definitely. Uh, matter of fact, the Obama administration uh, during the second term, whew, <laughs> one of the leakiest administrations you'd ever see. So, yeah, <laughs> everyone is going to have that problem. But how much of a problem it is and how significant the information that comes out, you know, that's, you know what I mean? That's the issue. 
you know, wait, wait, oh, yeah. we, the show we discussed this last week, but, you know, we, I mean, what, what do you think about uh, the, the links with the Flynn? I mean, it's kind of a, as you could tell, it's already moved on. They're moving, you know, they're moving on to something else. And that's just the funny thing. I mean, they make this huge deal out of it. Like, oh my God, it's just this big controversy. This might be something that Trump could get impeached for. And then, well, we're a week, we're, we're a week later, and it's like, where's that story go? It's it's not a story well, anymore. They moved yeah, on well, to something Trump else. Trump took their power from. Them. Yeah, he took their power from them by throwing them overboard. Because once he threw them overboard, okay, what now? You know what I mean? Story over. What can you do? And in all reality, they never had the smoking gun. They said, okay, he had conversations with, uh, you know, supposed Russian intelligence. Okay, how would he know that? Because the Russian intelligence group is so ingrained within their country that there's some that don't have access to Putin, and Putin doesn't know where they are, who they are, and they're just out doing, you know, different things. So to say that that's directly tied to Putin, you know what I mean? You're, you're making leaps, and why did we not get a recording of the call? Because there was no smoking gun. It's just innuendo. So <laughs> the fact that he threw well, yeah, a bullet when they're trying to say he killed their story. No, 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 not Which it was, but yeah, because they've already, yeah, they've already, I mean, as I said, they've already moved on. They want to just, it's just like it's just continually want to make hay, uh, you know, they just want to make hay over something. And I don't even know what the the new thing is, uh, but I do know that you know, with McCain, you know, he's been saying that. Oh well, we need a media. We need a media that's you know. Of course, he wants to be this. He needs a maverick. He always did. Uh, and I was like, oh, we need a media. We need a media that's even sometimes confrontational to the president. But I mean, and, and I get what he means to have an adversary. I think he even said the word adversarial. Uh, sometimes you need to have an adversarial media. Uh, uh, media. Well, let me tell you something. This is the most adversarial media to a president that I've ever seen. I mean, seriously. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, come it's, on. Come on, oh, that I've ever seen. Where, <laughs> Come where, where on, Where is it man. worse, Dodge? Tell me. Tell me where have you seen uh, it worse. See, see, this is the problem when we speak from our interest. Like, come on, man. You know the the media was just as bad with Obama. They're just as bad with what? Trump. We have so many outlets now. What? We have twenty four seven cycles. Are you saying that CNN, MSNBC, the uh, NBC, you know, the regular CBS, no, the local no, no, news channel? Don't pick, don't pick the ones who lean left. Pick the ones who lean right. So. Fox, There's only one that right. Let's be honest. Come okay, on. just, just hold on. News. Hold That's on. It. Hold on. Let's not get emotional now. Fox, and then you have to go to the <laughs> FM radio. Then you have to go to AM radio. Then you have to go to Internet blogs. Uh, the right ha- is well represented in media, in, you know, natural form is mass media and also, you know, independent media. So the, the right has their, you know, has their stuff, too. And if you pull up some of those stories on Obama from 08 to 2012, some of them you're going to look at and be like, come on, man. Did really, did people think this was plausible? And we're going to look back at this early period of the Trump presidency and say, wait a minute, does this story even seem plausible? Why would somebody print this? But th- that's where we're at right now. The country's polarized, and you can get clicks by, you know, throwing whatever sticks to the wall out there, no matter how ridiculous, your side's going to, you know, going to gravitate towards. So, that, I mean, that's where we yeah, are. But this- well, the, but I don't know. The, the, I, I never heard anybody, and you know, maybe you're paying attention to some things that I wasn't paying as much attention to. But I do listen to both the left and the right because I report on it here on the show. And that, I mean, I, when Obama was running, obviously I wasn't, you know, 
you know, an Obama fan, you know, there were some things that, you know, him and I could agree on. Um, and, and, and personally, you know, I, I didn't dislike him. I, I mean, I'll be frank with you, Nash, I hated Hillary Clinton. I mean, I could to say I hated that woman. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you know, I didn't like, you know, I mean, here's the thing. The thing I didn't like the most about Obama is I would never say Obama was America's first. I think he wanted to be the world's president, not necessarily the president of the United States. I think he wanted to do things. I think he was more interested in helping out the rest of the world than he was helping out the United States. I mean, I really do. I really well, do think I would, that. I would suggest um, you poll the rest of the world on that. The dead, the dead of Syria, uh, the people who've been slain by AFRICOM, the many drones that flew over the Middle East. I think the rest of the world would disagree. <laughs> he was one well, of the I'm most warmongering well, presidents, more of a, but the branding of Obama allowed him to get away with it for so long. So it's like who Obama actually was and the narrative of Obama are two totally different things. Uh, the military well, force you know and, and exer- go you know. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to ask you, and we are going off topic, which sometimes we do here on the show, but that's okay. It's the organic nature of it. So I'm not even going to presume, and I'm not even going to ask, frankly, if you were, uh, you know, an Obama supporter. Wait, obviously, you know, I mean, really man. wasn't. But, but you, you, you tell you, me what, what the, <laughs> what's that? I said, how dare you, sir? You know, good and damn well, I did not vote for no damn Democrat or Republican. Uh, that's that's not my nature. I'm just messing with you, Nas. But, I mean, but, but you do say something that's interesting. You know, in your opinion, who was the real Obama? The real Obama was the man who attacked whistleblowers at the highest rate in history, uh, the man who escalated the Syrian conflict, the man who used drone warfare all over the globe, and the man who had a, a what do you call it, a immigrant uh, policy similar to Trump's, just not as aggressive on the outside, but similar to Trump's. So he was an authoritarian centrist, but played the role of smiling leftist progressive, but wasn't an actual policy or action. Well, what do you would say about it getting uh, the Affordable Care Act rammed down our throats? Well, the ACA had to happen. Like, I I know a lot of people disagree with it, but it had to happen. And the the question is, are we going to improve it and make it more friendly towards consumers as opposed to friendly towards the healthcare industry? That's the issue. We've had government healthcare since 65 when Nixon, and we're talking about Medicare and Medicaid. We spend $1.9 trillion a year on healthcare because we have a system that is, you know, basically made up for the profiteers and not the people. So we spend more than some countries with single payer. So, you know, hey, hey, we no, need a reform. We, spend more. we didn't get good reform. Hey, no, <laughs> I, got a, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, would you well, like to go into tonight, Naj? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, always, I always like Naj's perspective. Um, yeah, I got a, a, a business proposition. Let's file a patent of some safety device, all right? We'll start a corporation. We'll go to the legislature of many states, and we'll force, you know, through lobbyists, we'll get a requirement that they have to buy our safety product. Okay? <laughs> and we'll make millions. You know, a good example would be the rebar. You know, I'm in the construction industry, and you go on a job site, you see the rebar sticking up. It's got this orange cap on it, a rebar mm-hmm. cap. That's required by OSHA, enforced by OSHA. You can get fine if you don't buy these products. 
so let's let's why don't we do that? Would you, would you like to make a few million and then maybe we can buy some politicians? <laughs> hey, I'm on board, man. And the greatest <laughs> example of that is the body scanners used by the TSA. Uh, when the oh, patent for the body scanners was bought before the TSA was even instituted. Greatest yeah. cash grab you'll ever see. But, yeah, I'm with you. And it's yeah. sad that, that we know that's how government works now at this point. Right, so, let, let, so I got another <laughs> business proposition. I got another business. I mean, I see it. You know, I, I, I do design work, design homes. I see the new codes. Like, what? We got to buy this product now? Are you out of your freaking mind? You know, anyway, in, in the uh, the soffit, you know, when you go outside and look at your overhang, a little soffit is what you know, you can reach up and it's flat. Well, in California oh. now, you got to have if you're in a wild wildland fire area, you got to buy these soffits that cost like fifty bucks a piece, and they close and when heat comes. Well, what's the justification? We don't want sparks going in your egg starting a fire. All right, and these things are really expensive, of course, they're padded. But another business proposition: why don't we start a healthcare company? All right. Start a healthcare company and force every American to buy it. You, you want to go into that business? Hey, uh, we have a hell of a time getting in there now because they got that market cornered. But hey, man, <laughs> might as well give it well, the old I, try, man. Right, right. Could you imagine how much profit we would make if we forced everybody to buy our health insurance? Or they did the Indeed. same damn thing with car insurance, except New Hampshire. You don't have to buy car insurance in New Hampshire. Um, Indeed. I understand. Like, the mandate is the biggest, the biggest problem people have with it. They're saying, look, man, why are you forcing me to buy this? If I didn't, if I wasn't forced to buy this, I wouldn't have it. I would be fine just paying the little fine. Leave me alone. That's what most people are saying. The problem becomes if you have a nation this big, to get so many people into the program, they had to figure out a way to, to make it, to, make it uh, to where it's in your best interest to get in. Then we get enough people. Then we lower the prices, and everybody can get adequate care. The way it is now, no. there's not enough people in, so the premiums are so high. And the programs are so expensive that the only people really making out on this are, is the healthcare industry because you got people who either are underfunded with, with their with their plan or people who just said to hell with it. I'll pay the fine. Leave me alone. So yeah, it's worked out terribly. Yeah. Well, I, there is two two aspects to this. One is if you force the sale of the product, everybody has to buy it. The people first to the market are going to make it kill it. Now. Do competition by car insurance companies. There's so many ads about car insurance, you know, companies I never heard of before, like the General. You know, you get some screening General, and you know, say, well, God, blah, 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 that guy that does the General commercial, okay? Never heard of him before. Well, under the forced sale of a product, forced upon the people, there is competition that will come out. Now, the question is with healthcare, do they have the big place that are well established already in the medical field? Have the big boys written the regulations in their favor so that startup health companies can't compete? And now we learn about monopolies. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's, that is correct. I'm pointing out dangers. I'm pointing out dangers to the, the public and their pocketbooks when corporations have the ability to write regulations in their favor to squash the little guy that's going to be their competition, that is mm-hmm. dangerous. And that's why that we have is. the Sherman Antitrust Act, which when was the last time that enforced? A long time ago, was it? You know, uh, I think Clinton was trying so to From time to time when some bit. of these conglomerates try to get together, every once in a while something to get delayed or stopped. But for the most part, man, that momentum is steadily going downhill. 
But look, healthcare is something that's not going away. Like we we can keep thinking that it's going away, but it's not. It's going to be an expense. A nation has to actually deal with it. And I, I think the biggest mistake the Tea Party made uh, in 2010 was their really fervent opposition to it instead of saying, okay, (laughs) no, but just listen to what I'm saying, though. Listen to what I'm saying, because this is going to be important when we come up with uh, some of Trump's policies. Instead of saying, look, they've got the seats, they're going to win this no matter what. If we get in the room, we can negotiate some things we don't like out of this bill. But if we stay out here and scream, they're going to put whatever they want in there over our dead bodies. Now, when Trump starts his tax reform... Have you ever competed with a corporate lobbyist? Hold on, lobbyist? one at a time. Have you ever competed with a corporate lobbyist? <laughs> and what? No, I, I've never had to do that, fortunately for me. But let, let me finish this, though, because this part is real important. Now, when Trump comes up with some of his big legislation, whether it's the infrastructure spending or the tax reform, the Democrats don't have the seats. If the Democrats continue to scream outside and just yell and yell and yell at Trump and don't come in and try to sit down and negotiate something, Trump is going to put whatever he wants in there, and then people are going to have to deal with it, uh, you know, deal with it forever. So there, there becomes a point to where consensus has to start happening, or we're going to keep getting these, uh, you know, one one takes all, winner takes all uh, legislation that half the population is not happy about. That's the point I was trying to work to. Sorry it took so long for me to get there, but that's the point I'm trying to make with this. Can I interject? Go ahead, John, and then I'm going to bring it back to our our topic. Oh, we lost Kelly. Kelly must have been in, in a spot where it's not good for his phone. Hopefully we'll be able to call back in within the next 22 minutes. We won't be able to. And uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to uh, chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, you'll need to do that within the next 22 minutes. Uh, because if you do not, then you will not be able to call in and listen in and be a part of our extended period. Uh, so give us a call at 347-945-7428. And so let's go ahead and bring it back to you, uh, John. And then, of course, Naja can uh, respond, and then we'll bring it back. And one of the questions I want to bring to you, Naja, is why do you think uh, that John McCain has uh, been so hawkish against Trump? Miguel, we'll get there. Let's go over to you, John. Yeah, well, I think there's another perspective that tends to be lost in the conversation, too. All of these big companies, these insurance companies, and all of the different offshoot uh, industries that benefit from this, they all have board of directors and shareholders and their big corporation people like control. So they're data raping everybody as a mechanism to soften everybody to the fact that they're going to be able to compile all this data, propagate it all to access it so they can monitor your every move and your every action from your TV service through your cable or satellite provider and all your medical records and information through the medical people. I mean, the people in power are colluding with the government and they're using blackmail in order to hold certain people accountable in the government in order to manipulate it. And some of the Trump deals or issues with who he's putting in office, I was skeptical of the simple fact he's trying to circumvent having to deal with a flunky congressman. So he'll just hire I mean, he's just going to appoint and nominate the people that are at the upper echelon right to those positions 
and they can just go around them. Because once you're in the executive office, just like all the presidents in the past, they ignore the other branches when they want. They can get away with it as long as they got enough cronies in enough different positions throughout all the different branches, and then enough business people throughout all the states that are you know big corporate people that are data raping everybody and in on the collusion. And then the jury, you know, as far as the judicial system with all the trial lawyers and people that are in their back pockets to keep the system the same way it is. They just want to control everything. That's just my added perspective, because I agree with everything you guys are saying. I know sometimes you get the opinion that I'm kind of against you. No, I'm not. I'm just bringing up other issues that, that aren't being discussed, because I, I appreciate Naj and Kelly and everybody's position and them bringing up the, that particular side of the issue, because all sides need to be considered. We're getting taken for a ride. We're being distracted with all these other things while they're manipulating it in other aspects. Back to you. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying about them cutting out the middleman and directly hiring Rex Tillerson, uh, the Exxon guy, and things like that. Yeah, you know, that that's a problem. And But the, but here, here's the other thing, perspective on that. If Tillerson was directly lobbying and spending the money and getting the person to act in the way they wanted to anyway – is just putting it in our face a real change, or are we really dealing with it the exact same thing? Now, he has more latitude to cause more damage. I'll, I'll definitely agree there. But I think at a certain point, we're just getting a whole lot of stuff coming to the light that we already knew was going on. So now they don't even give us the the, the courtesy of doing it in the back room. <laughs> it's just hire the guy outright. They think there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Well, yeah. And, and your privacy point is well-founded, too. Uh, as we move along in this tech age and, you know, where people's location and what you do throughout the day is being documented in hell, we have documented ourselves getting badges and things for going to certain locations. And at a certain point, privacy kind of just evaporates. Uh, the more we ingratiate ourselves with living with these, you know, phones and, and treating them as if they are, look, if you forget your wallet, Maybe you'll make it through the day. If you forget your phone, you got to go back home. <laughs> That's so true. It wasn't like that 15 years ago, was it? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, exactly. privacy concern is huge. Yeah, I'm exactly. Right I, I say that all the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like we can't leave without our phone now. We always got to disconnect. Yeah, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm even guilty about that. Like, oh, got to go back. I, I left my phone at home. <laughs> Oh, do, do you know how upset I am if I'm at home and I didn't minutes. know I had my – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I'm waiting. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We, we, uh, we, we could go on, on that. Uh, this is probably one of those shows we could get another hour in. Uh, anyway, and because we only have 50 minutes before we get into the next segment, but I don't want to get your take on why uh, you think that uh, McCain is, is just so – you know, just so hawkish against Trump. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, for him to even go say, oh, well, we need a, and point taken, okay, but I, I think he really went over the deep end where he's like, oh, but we, we need to have an adversarial media. I mean, not to the point, and, and we, we, we can have this discussion later, uh, and you pointed out to it earlier, you know, about how, well, it's not more so, just it seems more so for me than it, than it was for Obama and, and maybe even for Bush. I mean, not, I mean, Come on, they're comparing Trump with Hitler. You know, I mean, I think they did that with Bush, too, but I think it's even worse here. But, I mean, so what do you think? Why do you think uh, McCain is uh, so disliked? Beyond, you know, 
some people are saying, oh, well, it's because Trump made the comment, I don't like soldiers who got, uh, who get captured or something like that. I, I think it goes beyond that. What do you think, Nosh? Well, for one, it's age, because I think McCain knows he's not going to win again. This will be his last term. And then uh, he's an old-school Republican. So the idea of Trump kind of tears at the very fabric of who he is and, and what he represents, and he thinks somebody like him devalues the, the, the office and what, you know, what, what's considered good decorum and things like that. So I, I think he kind of eats away at, at, at a lot of things that, that McCain saw as just the way the world works and, and how a person should look and conduct themselves in that office. So since he's not going to win, he figures, hey, might as well take some shots. Uh, the guy said some things about me. And, you know, McCain seems like a bitter guy who will take some of that stuff really, really personally. So I, that doesn't surprise me. But I, I think he knows he's not going to be in there again, so why not take his shots? But he also confirmed everybody that Trump put up there. So he voted for everybody Trump put up, too. So that's, you know, that has to be said as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, we have a, another caller on the line, so I'm going get to get some call screening done. Uh, and so while we do that, uh, go ahead. Was that you, John? Okay, sorry about nope. that. And so uh, – Okay, every time I think I'm gonna uh, put something on, I thought I uh, hear somebody talk. Uh, so let's go ahead and while I'm doing this real quick, uh, let's go ahead and hear again from our friends because I played them uh, late last time. The Patriot Journal Network, just for those who are uh, just now chiming in. You're not just listening to a show; you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com. And also check out our show's website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And we have Scott on the line. He well, has some comments on McCain uh, before we have to, in about 15 minutes, uh, move uh, over to our extended period. Uh, and if you aren't called in already and you're out there listening, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, because if you do not do that within the next 13 minutes, uh, then unfortunately you will not be able to Join us on the show. However, you will be able to listen to the show in its entirety uh, on the podcast that you can find here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can also download it free on your mobile device on iTunes. So let's go ahead and welcome Scott. Thank you very much, Scott, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, pretty good, all things considered. Uh, just listen to your last caller on that. And part of the issues with McCain go back to his time in the Navy. He was not well thought of by his uh, fellow active duty sailors. <clears throat> For one, he was an uh, NVA ace. He downed six American aircraft. Okay, that could be questioned somewhat. But training films on firefighting in the U.S. Navy flat out blamed John McCain for the fire on the USS Forrestal in 67 off Vietnam. Then there was... Uh, the story about him, uh, and these are true stories, 
and he's gone through a lot to cover it up of what happened in the Hanoi Hilton. He sold out his fellow prisoners. And I have the article linked somewhere. I even shared it on Facebook where it goes into some detail of all the legislation he's helped with to cover up and to hide what happened with him in Vietnam. He's done everything he can to make it more secret. So basically, it takes an act of Congress to look at his record from Vietnam. The man has been a traitor to America all his life. In the Navy, he was universally hated. He had to resign when his father died. The only reason he was looked upon with any respect in the Navy is his father and grandfather were both full admirals. But he's he's never been a good American. I don't know how he got into politics. <clears throat> well, I mean, well, I guess when he got captured and he came back, there's a lot of people that know a lot of uh, the story, maybe not even heard of uh, the stories that you were alluding to. And perhaps, you know, they're like, right. oh, well, this is a guy, he's a, a warrior who came back from being a you know a POW and maybe that you know assisted him in getting elected you know at least for the first time okay well i do know that once he went into politics they removed from the training film where they blamed him for the fire i can even remember the part in that training film cuz i saw it at least four times while i was on active duty where he's getting ready to jump off his aircraft and they flat out say his aircraft started the fire and he was the first one evacuated. But, yeah, coming back with the POW thing, and his father was an admiral. So, you know, they tried to paint him a hero. But they were covering up the fact that he committed treason. He well, gave up. Sir, why, sir, why, why are you on? I heard a story. This is years ago. I don't know if it's true. Never looked to confirm it. There was a story that he broke at a certain point and gave up not only the position of how they were flying in the bomb and evading the yes. anti-aircraft. Okay. So you heard that story as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I heard it when I was on active duty in the 70s. Common knowledge throughout the Navy. All this, all, all this about what happened when he was a prisoner of war, what he did on the forestall, and before that, if he'd have been any other officer, he'd have been thrown out of the Navy. But when your father and your grandfather are both four-star admirals. And there is an actual active duty ship named after your father. The Navy's going to cover up anything you do wrong. That's just the way it is in the military, or was at that time anyway. And I just, I've never had any trust with John McCain. And I don't know many people who are on active duty in the U.S. Navy when I was who do. Well, I, mean, I, I hate to say it doesn't surprise me. It's terrible to say. Uh, I mean, my dad was in the Navy. Uh, you know, he's a very proud Navy guy. But, yeah, I mean, if you guys, you know, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I mean, with what people could do with, you know, people could do with power. I mean, I mean look at Hillary Clinton. Look what she got away. That's why away with. I mean, I truly believe that there is a two-tiered, uh, system of justice. Uh, it might even be multiple tiers for, for that matter. Uh, oh, there definitely is. So you the military between officer and enlisted. Just in punishments given then, to them for the same infractions. And did you see the uh, or, or hear the the first segment uh, with Amy Murray on tonight, Scott? Yes. 
I just missed like the first couple minutes. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, so uh, we, you know, well, you heard uh, me ask a question that uh, you posted there on Facebook, and you know, right. she answered it. And, uh, so uh, we we need to have more folks like her uh, in office. But I mean, she knows she's gonna, you know, she's gonna, you know, try another run. Uh, as she pointed out, she sounds kind of skeptical. At least that's the take I got. Is because she's like, well, you know, I, I came in ninth out of nine last year, so I'm I'm thinking, you know, she's hoping she's not going to be ten out of nine, you know, this coming year with 35 people running for city council, which is going to be an absolute mess. Uh, now, you know, if, if there are going to be any Republicans who will be elected to the city council, I mean, I'd see, I would think it would be more likely to be her than than you know some you know some newcomer, uh, but it could be where you know just a, yet another Democrat. Uh, will come to place, which is it's, it's unbelievable. I always thought of Cincinnati, and I, I guess it used to be growing up, was a pretty conservative place. Uh, I, I mean, I really don't know what happened to it I over agree. the years, uh, where it's been taken over by the Dem- you know by Democrats and the liberals, frankly. Yes, that, that's how I've seen it too. It was a lot different when we were growing up. A lot different. Yeah, certainly. We're, we're about but, to you get know, ready uh, to go ahead. I will look at her candidacy when she comes up because I am actually in the city. Until yeah, I, I can't out. vote for. I mean, is, is it, until I move out west I mean, for, my, for my retirement. No, when you plan on moving out west? Uh, next year or two. No, I'm heading That's out west. Idea, and hopefully, but, I'd be able to. Go ahead. Okay, well, ho- hopefully it'll be in the next year or two, but I'm planning to move to Phoenix. Oh, okay. Arizona. i got a brother-in-law to think about, uh, about moving there. Well, John some years. McCain will uh, be happy to see you. <laughs> oh, well, see, I'll get well, to yeah, vote against he should, be, he should be out of office, too, in a couple of years, right? <laughs> yeah, well, well, part well, of the okay, idea I mean, I never did against. like John McCain. I mean, I didn't like McCain. And, I didn't like McCain. I mean, you know, wait, when I, when I voted uh, – and, and when I voted in 2008, my vote was to Sarah Palin. <laughs> I, I was I, Ron I Paul because like uh, there was no way I was going to vote for John McCain. And that shocked a lot of people with me being a Navy vet. But it's like, no, I wouldn't vote for him. He was, he was hated, universally hated when I was on that duty. Wow. Yeah, you certainly – I mean, even through all these years, you certainly heard nothing, uh, nothing about that. I don't even know if I even heard anything from the from the liberal news. Uh, I mean, Naj, I mean, if you if you heard anything, you'd think that they would actually would say something about it. But I don't even hear. I don't even recall ever hearing anything uh, from them. Well, well, there there, there are some lineup. stories both sides agree not to talk about to a certain to a certain extent. And oh, when yeah, you're talking yeah, about stuff point. like that, I mean, that's kind of what you're hitting on. Like, but yeah, mostly yeah, like uh, old, independent media. boy club, right? <laughs> Yeah, at a certain the way degree. they call it, the good old boys club. <laughs> well, that and the fact that he, he's really he's not a Republican, he's a rhino. I don't see where he acts yeah, as a Republican. He, he votes more liberal. Well, and you know, I mean, I mean, and I think that you know, I mean, as you pointed out, Naj, I mean, I guess he did vote for all Trump's nominees, but I mean, I guess at this point, you know. Maybe it doesn't matter for for him, but I don't know. I think he's just trying to get in the news and and being uh, the media darling that you know he, he likes to be. Uh, that's what I think. I think that's why he's doing. 
uh, what he's doing. But, I mean, yeah, I, I seriously hope he's – I mean, not only him. I mean, I think there should be other folks. Uh, we discussed them last week, you know, you know Graham, but, Corker. I mean, you know, those people need yeah, to be and, better. And never forget opinion. this, though. Never forget this. McCain gives good co- – he gives good quotes. So if you're a media guy, who are you calling trying to get on the record? Of course, McCain, <laughs> because he might give you something okay. that, you, that might good be a good point. story. Now you get your article up. You call Lindsey Graham, and he gives you a bunch of mumbling, mush-mouth nonsense. It's not going to help you. But you call McCain, maybe you get a quote, man. Yeah, he's probably yeah, sure that's 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 <laughs> Yes, and you know how some of those older guys are in that late afternoon, man. You call that dude when he's kind of cranky, ain't no telling what he'll say. So, you know. <laughs> that might be what we're looking at. So, okay, is it after dinner? Okay, let's call McCain. Hey, uh, Trump has insulted you again. What do you think? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, well yeah, I, I mean, mean when he goes. Well, and I don't even really, I really don't even see Trump as a Republican. I mean, I don't see him as a Democrat. I mean, but I don't see him as a, a, a really as a Republican either. Um, you know, unfortunately, because of the way, you know, the duopoly works at this point in time, uh, I mean, if that's the party for him to, you know, to, to run on. You know, I mean, I really, I mean, if he, if he could, now remember when there was talk, and, and we'll do this the next couple of minutes before we go into our next segment, uh, is that remember there was talk about, well, if he doesn't get the nomination, becoming a third party uh I, I I wonder now, now that he won, I wonder now, now that he did win, if, well, probably not. I mean, but he, he probably would have lost if he would have gone third party. Let's say if he would have gone to a constitution party, reform party, or independent or whatever, uh, Hillary Clinton probably would have won, unfortunately, because I, I just don't see a lot of the Democrats who uh, – you know, moving over to uh, you know Trump, and I and, but I mean, and I've seen a lot, and not a lot, but I have seen some that were Bernie supporters. Uh, I also seen no, I did see some Bernie supporters, and seen some even Jill Stein supporters who actually voted for Trump. I did uh, some exit polling on the on election day, and one girl, you know, came up. I asked her, you know, who she voted for. She goes, well, she goes, I, I support it. You know, I support, and I, I really like Jill Stein. And I like to you know vote for Jill Stein, she goes, but I, I can't stay on Hillary Clinton. She goes, so I'm, I'm, I'm she goes, so I'm going to be voting for, you know, she goes, so I'm going to be voting for uh, Trump, because she so much didn't like Hillary Clinton, which I find out I found odd, not odd, but interesting. Uh, you know, a Green Party, you know, somebody who usually votes Green Party would have voted for uh, the Green Party candidate voting for uh, for Trump. I mean, so that that should tell you. You know, mounds of of what she, you know people thought of Hillary Clinton. If you got somebody who, who would otherwise vote for Jill Stein, but ends up voting for Trump, and, and I was really hoping that it would open it up, you know, for the alternative parties. I mean, I'd really like to see the duopoly get broken up myself. Well, yeah, that'd be a good thing. But uh, Amen. I kind of latched on to Trump at the beginning because I liked what he said back in '87. If he ever did run, it's because things got really bad. And I think that's what's happened, man. He figured it yeah, man. somebody that, like that, him that quote, it out. Though, that quote, but he's run before. So it's like I hear people say yeah. that quote like he just waited and then he pulled on his Superman suit. He's run before and lost, so that's the thing. So it's, I don't know. It works well with the myth, but, you know. 
Well, I know he's done a lot more so far than I've seen done in years. Yeah, but be wary of the flash. The military has done a 180. Yeah, be wary military of the flash and, and look at what actually is there. Well, well, that's well, that's, that's time, what guys. I would say with Trump. <laughs> yeah, what I would say What's with that? Trump is the same thing as oh, What I would say with Trump is the same thing I told people about Obama. Be wary of the flash. Look at the actual substance. So, yeah, he did a lot of executive orders. There have been a lot of activity. But look at what's actually there, what's solid, what's substance, substantial, and what's going to go going forward. So be wary. That's all I'm saying. What do you think about and, – and we are about the top of the hours, so we're going to go into our – but just a quick question for you, Nosh. Um, what do you think about his uh, Supreme Court pick? I like oh, it. Oh, he did what he had to do. I mean, at this moment in time where they held uh, the seat and stopped uh, uh, what's his, Garland from getting from getting in there, you had a whole list of conservative judges to put on. So you're going to pick a really conservative one to, uh, to really appeal to your base. RBG may end up leaving. Uh, well, you know, I mean, she's getting old, so you may end up getting to seat another Yay, one. Yay, I don't so, like yeah, it. <laughs> this is your payoff. Well, and then we'll, I was just curious on that. And then we're going to go to the next, uh, you know, the next segment. And um, looks like that we are in the extended period. So if, uh, the folks who are out there uh, who were listening, unfortunately, are not able to listen anymore. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get Kelly back in. Uh, but we do uh, do have some other folks on the line still. Uh, so if you'd like to chime in, push that one button on your number dial, and uh, we'll get you into the show. And so just uh, push, you know, push the one if you want to get in. And so anyway, so the next topic is, you know, one of the things that I really, really liked, uh, at the, you know, the not just at the inauguration, because he, he mentioned it also at the, uh, the Republican convention. And one of the things that I really didn't like about Obama is I said, I mean, I didn't hate the guy, but there's there some things he, he did that I really didn't like. And one of those is, you know, how he just decimated the space program. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I think that Trump's going to do is, is bring it back. And, 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 you know, we've been, we haven't been, you know, let's say from back to the moon for 40 years. And so, or been there for 40 years. And I think, you know, a, a large part of that, of being able to make America great again, I really do, uh, is to reinvigorate the space program. Cause it's not, and, and the, one of the reasons is, you know, of course, that's just something in my wheelhouse, but two is it, it's, there are other nations who are who are looking into it, and if you know we're going to be you know America first, and if America is going to be you know at the top of the game, I think that you know we also have to be on top of the space program because uh, there are other countries such as uh, as I you know mentioned in the promo for the show tonight, Russia and China, and I, I got an example example a article here from Reuters uh, that and this was. Uh, not that it's February 13th, but just this past Monday. It says China's plan uh, plans launch a first cargo spacecraft in April. Uh, it says China plans to launch its first cargo spacecraft in April. State media, <laughs> United States media, I'm just kidding. States media reported on Tuesday taking a step toward its goal of establishing a permanently manned space station by 2020. Listen up, folks. Uh, if we don't get our asses in gear, and we are in Bard's Logic After Dark, so I can say those kind of words, uh, then we're going to find ourselves again being beaten out by China. President Xi Jinping, that's an interesting name, 
has prioritized advancing China's space program, saying it was needed to enhance national security and defense. Anyone here remember the, uh, the Star Wars program? We wonder whatever happened to that. But anyway, yeah. uh, it says plans for the maiden voyage. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. But it says plans for the maiden voyage of the cargo spacecraft were reported on the front page of the People's Daily, the official Communist Party newspaper. The Tianhao One cargo resupply spacecraft will be carried into space by a Long March 7Y2 rocket launched from the Wenchang Satellite Launch Center in South China's island, province of Henan, the Daily reported, citing the China Manned Space Agency. The Tianzhou-1 is designed to dock with the Tiangong-2 Space Laboratory, or Heavenly Palace-2, uh, which China used to carry out its long, longest-ever manned space mission last October sending two astronauts into space for a month aboard the laboratory. The spacecraft can carry six tons of goods, two tons of fuel, and can fly unmanned for three months, the newspaper said. For all the advances China has made in its space program for military, commercial, and scientific purposes, there's militaries first, it is still lagging uh, the United States and Russia, but they're they're getting there, so we we, we got to get our asses in gear. They're going to get past us. I mean, look at what Japan did for a while in the, the auto industry. But anyway, so China's Jade Rabbit moon rover landed on the moon in late 2013. So they've already got a, some, you know, a, a lander on the moon four years ago. Uh, to great national fanfare, but soon suffered severe technical difficulties. Yay! I know that. Callous, no, okay. And so I'm glad to hear that part. Uh, the U.S. Defense uh, Department has highlighted China's increasing space capabilities, saying it was pursuing activities aimed at preventing other nations, this is China, using space-based assets in a crisis. And so let's go ahead and bring that part and perhaps of, uh, other articles to our panel here. And so let's go ahead and bring it to you, John, the nausea. And Scott, if you'd like to weigh in, uh, we'll get your uh, take as well. Well, what, what's your thoughts, uh, John? And I know how what your thoughts are on NASA and how you don't think that we should be spending space, not space, uh, should be spending tax money on that. I disagree because I think spending money on the space program is just as important as spending money on infrastructure. I really because the, the you know the cost benefit of the of of the money is six times. So for every dollar you spend to the space program, it adds six dollars to the economy. So anyway, so but beyond that, beyond the tax dollars. Uh, what, what's your thoughts, though, of us competing with other nations, such as China, such as Russia, to be the first folks on the moon? And they're all talking about putting permanent bases. So what's your thoughts on at least that or what I call here again the space race? It's a space race. I think it's starting up again. What's your thoughts, John? Well, I do want to correct you. I'm not against these different projects. I'm against our country's government playing favorites, picking winners and losers with our tax dollars when they don't include all of us being able to have our will reciprocally and mutually included in acting, ratifying, and codified in law. 
Therefore, we don't have equal representation. Therefore, somebody's a legislative slave, taxation without representation, and they're intruding into the private industry of financing and banking. If the private industry felt that that was a profitable venture, then they would put the money up. Well, these people that want these favored projects, if they can't get the money in the private sector, they just go around and manipulate stealing from the taxpayer in order to pay for their private interest projects. But as far as can we say like the I same thing about infrastructure projects? Can we say any, the same any, about infrastructure projects, bridges, roads? We spend tax project, dollars on that. Yeah, but any project, regardless of what it is, that is not backed by mutual assent from the legal United States citizens means that somebody's being ripped off and they're getting their tax dollars stolen and used for special interest projects. I believe, in my humble opinion, most everybody would say, oh, it's okay to, you know, fund streets and roads and stuff like that. And even most, myself included, would be all in, in on these uh, space programs that you're referring to. My problem is, is when they start trying to dictate tax dollars being used by the select few of the people who are in control of our government manipulating the government against the will of the people. There's a false psychological psyops trigger that's going on with people, and most Americans, and it sounds like you too, think it's okay to be a bully and just beat up your fellow citizen and take their tax dollars and use it for whatever you want to, as if that's moral. I think it's immoral. Every legal United States citizen is an equal citizen, or we don't have a Declaration of Independence and a Constitution. But I'm with you on the project needs to be done because, you know, there's going to be some competition with other countries to a certain degree. Yes, there will be benefits and all, but if the financing has to come from tax dollars at the expense of we the people, then it's taxation without representation, legislative slavery, and voluntary servitude. They get to tax you and tell you how much they keep, and then they get to dictate how much of that money goes to what, and you have no say in it, and you don't get to have any consent, and then they get to tell you out of the money they let you keep out of your own hard-earned money. They decide how you can spend it, what you can spend it on, and whatnot, and then they make sure they got golden parachute retirement packages, golden parachute type um, incomes, and golden parachute security, but they want to dictate everything to you without your consent as a legal, equal citizen in America. That's against the Declaration of Independence, and too many people have been psychologically tricked but not me. Well, uh, John, I, I mean, we're not going to, you know, go online because we've got, you know, other you know, folks to chime in. But it sounds like you're definitely against, you know, taxes, which, you know, I'm, I'm not too fond of them either. But what I want to, for solution-wise, what would you suggest, what, what should you suggest should happen for basically the government to pay for things? How would you suggest you know, you know whether it's local, whether it's federal, whether it's you know regional. How would you suggest them getting money? Well, they get it the way they get it right now, as far as taxes. But it's we're supposed to be a free people society of self-governing individuals, and when they start dictating that they have the power to tax you without your consent and start manipulating all the laws, rules, processes, and procedures about governance. 
you know, governance is about how we treat each other, how we interact with each other, how we relate to each other. Well, what do you suggest they do? I, I know, Joe, but I want to get to the crux of what do you think should be done? It, we it know is what is done, but I mean, how 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 should tax how should tax how should taxation be done? That's what I'm telling you. This is the root of the problem. If you don't nip it at the bud at the root of the problem, then you're just dealing with symptoms and all these. So they should ask us how much we want to be taxed. Is that what is that what you're suggesting? Which I'm not saying I'm against that, but is that what you're saying? But so you're saying it's okay to bully your fellow man and just steal his tax money and use it for whatever purposes I didn't, you think you're doing? John, I didn't say that. I'm asking you. I'm I'm asking you. How do you think that we should uh, we should say how much taxes we want to pay? Exactly. You have well, to put, put all the stuff that you're saying into a way a way that you know people you know let, let, let's. Shrink what you're saying and package what you're saying and tell us what you think, how taxation should be meted out. I mean, do we vote on what the tax rates you know, should be? I mean, and, and what's your thoughts on, on that? How should people be taxed? Is it just a sales tax we should have and no income tax? Remember, in the Declaration of Independence, one of the um, – I don't even know what you call them. I can't – think straight about it. But anyway, one of the reasons why we had the Declaration of Independence was the King George was taxing the people without their consent. That was one of the gripes in the Declaration of Independence. You can read it just straight up, worded just like that. So then we have all these congressmen and different people manipulate the system with amendments and stuff and aren't being honest with They take advantage of the ignorance of, of we the people and do stuff against the will of we the people because they don't really care about you. They just run rock shot over you. However, to try to be more direct to what you're trying to say, taxation may be a, a voluntary thing to a certain point. As my concern is are all Americans being considered? Because I believe we can actually achieve mutuality of agreement on the how it's taxed and what gets taxed and how much if we're asked. The problem of bullies just forcing it on us and manipulating a psychological scam in order to run roughshod over us just is actually imposing anarchy at some point. Because some, at some point in every kingdom or empire, society, whatever, the the people get wise enough to understand we're being really tricked and we're tired of being manipulated and they rise up and just like our founding um, freedom fighters, George Washington, Samuel Adams and whatnot told King George. But we have to get back to treating each other as real equals, otherwise this whole thing doesn't matter. It's going to fall apart. The debt and everything's going to go out the window because people Anyway, that's a whole other story, and you didn't ask that, so I hope <laughs> well, yeah, well, just, and we'll, we'll move, to, uh, yeah, we'll move on with that, and then go, go ahead. We'll get, we'll, we'll, Scott, we'll go in and we'll bring in Naj, and then if you want to bring that point back up uh, with, you know, on what John said, that's fine because, I mean, I mean if he okay, asked you know, what John's suggesting that – Well, oh yeah, so, that, and that's what I was okay. asking. I was asking me: Is he saying that we should? That we, should we vote on how much income tax there should be? Should we vote oh, on the constitution? I mean, how how much should we? The constitution tells us what taxes to fund the government: tariff taxes, tariff 
taxes on imports. Okay, I understand what John's saying about the income tax. There are some theories about that, which I'm not going to go into, but it, you know, there's theories that it is unconstitutional and there's some points to it, but I'm not going to go into all that. But yeah, the way they impose that is kind of tyrannical. But if you go to the Constitution, the t- money that is to fund and run the federal government has come from tariffs on imports, not taxing individuals' income. But it, Scott, it's the laws, rules, processes, and procedures that you're encumbered and, and burdened by without your consent makes you a legislative slave. Taxation without representation. Yes, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with that. Well, and I'm well, not disagreeing uh, with that at all. I, I say, well, and, and, and not, you know, it sounds like you want more of a direct democracy, which I, you know, frankly, I've always been in favor for that. That's, you know, that's not how we're set up or representative uh, republic, you know, republic democracy or democratic republic. Uh, and, and that's how we're set up. I mean, it's, there's not, you know, and, you know, I studied this in my political science class, the political policy thing of that nature, is that, you know, and, and I mean, I like the idea of, you know, referendums, but we, I mean, but there's no real efficient and logical way. To, I mean, I don't know. Let, let's have Naja, you know, chime in on this and also, you know, with the space program, because I want to keep this thing on topic as well, is that I, I don't know if there's a, an efficient and logical way to have, and as much as I do like referendums, I do like referendums. I love them. But I don't know how practical with a country our size referendums really are uh, when it comes to taxation, when it comes to legislation, because who has time, you know, to make money, you know, go out and make money for their families and pay attention to all the legislation and and taxation bills and and things of that nature that come in. And, you know, how should we allocate money? You know, how should these these monies be, uh, you know, put out? And and there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, but you know, how can we spend time in our day to do that? Let's go ahead and get get here from Naj, and we'll bring it back to you guys. And I, I do want to keep things, you know, and around but on I'm our topic too. Oh, what, what's your thoughts, Naj? I'm not talking yeah. about yeah. A direct democracy. No, you keep saying that, putting that in my mouth, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a representative truly representing you. Right now, we have representatives that represent you like a pimp represents represents a prostitute. That's not. You having your right place in your will and reflected in your government. Well, then how how do you change that, John? How do we change that? Do we need more representatives so that I mean, representatives have the fiduciary responsibility to represent your interest and do you no harm. Otherwise, they're actually colluding to circumvent you. Yeah, and how that enforced? Look, there there are some things that are so big and so complex that putting it out there is enough. Because then at that point you say, okay, well let me think about this for a while. Let's try to figure out some different ways in which what he's talking about is workable. But this is this is such a heavy and complex issue. Like we're not going to sit here spur the moment off the top of our heads, come up with a viable solution to replacing it. But what he brings to the forefront is basically. Income tax, no matter what, you're going to need taxes to fund a government, especially a world power. But how that money is allocated, 
how that money is spent. That's the word I was looking some for. <laughs> Needs some responsibility. So, I, you know, I, I definitely get his sentiment. I definitely get where he's coming from. But there's no way in hell we're going to be able to sit here right now and, and lay out chapter and verse how to do that, man. That, that's We're talking about a huge 320 million uh, size country, you know, with a vast government and, a, you know, vast corporate base, like everything we're talking about uh, of a first world nation. Uh, yeah, that, that's a difficult conversation, man. But that's something we have to think about and really try to come up with just bits and pieces of the solution. Because, I mean, dude, you, you'd need a legislative body to come up to how to figure this one out. Because it, it, that's why it's so huge. But uh, your, your point about space exploration, I think we do a good job of it now. Like, I'm I'm thinking that when we put these, you know, uh, these different telescopes out there, the Hubble telescope, and then we send these different, you know, cameras and, and things out into space, I think that's the best way to do it because you don't have to bring them back. They can just continue to explore. They found a, a star with some, they said, had conditions similar to Earth. That came out this week. You know, the science community is a buzz about that. Yep. We've got uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk trying to create those rockets that have the ability to go to Mars. So the private sector is doing their part too. So I think the private and public uh, institutions are handling it well. So China and India and these places, they're going to invest heavily into space right now. So, yeah, you know, there's going to be competition and things are changing. As long as we don't fall behind the military aspect of uh, the space race, though, uh, I see no problem with other people getting involved. They got a lot of money to burn and they're going to do it. China and India are on the rise as far as world power. So they're going to do it. But I don't think we should pull a USSR and overspend trying to keep up with the Joneses like they did with us uh, trying to keep up with the military power. So I think we should be careful on that because I think our our biggest problem is going to be the advancement of technology and figuring out how the population works around certain industries that will disappear. When the self-driving cars start, trucking goes away as an industry for most people. Uh, the Ubers, all that stuff goes away. Like things change overnight now. The newspapers used to depend on classified ads as a source of revenue. Craigslist wiped that out within a few years. And, and that's what we see all across, you know, the, the country. Different technology uh, eradicates jobs. So we got to figure out a way to invest in uh, kind of reverse engineering as far as, okay, this tech is coming. What can we do to make sure people are still working because that job is now obsolete? So that's what I'm really – concerned with how do we figure out job markets as we you know continue to innovate well and do you think that the school systems that we have now well gosh we're totally going off on a tangent here but that's okay so the so the school systems as things are today are they adequate are they fit to the job of doing that yeah, I, I mean, you're always so. going to produce your, your innovators <laughs> and your people who are next level in tech. So, like, right now we got a lot of coders and people who are creating the next things, but that's not the majority of your population and never will be. There's never going to be a country no, yeah, who has point. 80% right. PhDs. You know what I mean? So you got to figure yes. out something for the rank and file, regular, everyday folk. You can't continue to leave them behind and promise them stuff. And as we see the backlash from this election, uh, the Dems promised this and that. Well, they never actually gave it to those unions who've been solid with them for decades. 
The Repubs mm-hmm. promised this and that, and they never brought back those industries. They promised those blue-collar workers that they kissed their ass when it's election time, but, you know, that's when it comes to actual substance, they're never there. So that's the issue, man. And, you know, that's another one. How the hell do we solve that one? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. We need to, to change the name of the show or something. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's what happened. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I tell you what, I mean, well, yeah, because, I mean, I certainly don't, when I said this, you know, since the show started, because we will have debate here and have, you know, talks and discussions, is, you know, you hear all the time, okay, well, this is our problem. And, and I think, you know, Najee even might have brought this up, uh, you know, a few times. Is you know well we got the problems well let, what's the solutions here uh, and we definitely you know want to be more solution minded instead of okay well we got this problem this problem this problem well okay let's just quit just naming off the problems and and, and try to find solutions to them uh, but as I stated you know I mean when it comes to you know the economy you know and reinvigorating the space programs and 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 science and technology you know that, that stem from them. And, you know, learning you know, the different robotics and, you know, the different technologies that are going to be needed. I mean, certainly, but even for what well, you're talking about, the rank and file, and them need to learn uh, skills. I mean, the skills that they're going to need to learn even for the future are more, are more you know, technical. They're, they're not just physical. I mean, because usually when you had factories, you know, hey, if you had a strong back and strong hands, strong arms, I mean, you can make a good living in a factory. You know, and then you move yourself up to management, you know, this and that. But, I mean, those days, you know, with robotics and, and things of that nature, those are kind of going, you know, to the wayside. It, it is more technical. It is more where you need, uh, you know, more skills, including math and, and science. I mean, even for the things where you would otherwise would think it'd be, oh, well, this is just kind of a, a rank-and-file job. But if you're working, have to work with robotics or you have to work with, you know, putting a robot together in a factory, I mean, it's going to take technical skills. I mean, the, just because the machines and the things that they're want, looking to put together, you know, let's say parts for a rover or parts of a, a ship or something, you know, need a certain expertise that, you know, the industries of yesterday just, it was it was simple. But the, the things you're trying to put together now are, are much more complex. I mean, what, what kind of jobs would be out there for, you know, as you put it, the, you know, you know, the rank and file the other uh, other day, people who, who aren't going to be, you know, is, is school-wide educated, I guess you could say. Right, and, and that's where it comes to are we using human resources in a good way. So you got to start thinking about, okay, things like how do you clean up a river? Can we actually do that? Have we actually explored it? Can we put people to work in thinking about it, experimenting, trying different things, and see if they can carry it out? Like all kinds of different, you know, things are possible we just have to think of work in a different way. Maybe people are going to work less hours because jobs are going to be less strenuous and you're going to be, you know, some guy, not in the cubicle, but maybe you're at home doing something on the internet or something like that. But figuring out the new frontier, I think people will have more time. I don't think we're going to be looking at 40 hour work weeks anymore. I think things are going to change. That's why people are talking about this universal basic income. That's really big right now. Uh, they were talking about it at the Davos conference because they're terrified about what they're going to do if they end up with a citizenry to where the unemployment numbers are skyrocketing because the jobs are obsolete. And we could talk all we want to talk, but hell, tell try to get a baby boomer to uh, you know set up an app 
Like, you know, is that re- really realistic to put that on somebody who's coming, you know, two generations behind and then say, hey, man, figure this out. Otherwise, you're not productive and you're not worth anything in society. Like, I, I don't know if that's really, you know, a really fair way to do things when kids now are growing up with tech and phones and the concept of Wi-Fi a two-year-old has. You see what I'm saying? So I just think <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's going to be a whole different world. I, I'm one of those two generations behind guys. <laughs> right, right. So so the idea that they should just force it upon you and say, okay, if you don't learn this, it's your fault. Like how the hell you going to tell somebody who worked hard in a steel mill, all of a sudden he has to learn how to code in two years or otherwise it's his problem. Like, nah. Actually, they did something like that in the 90s when they brought in NAFTA. They got all those auto workers to retrain for the IT field. Then they brought in millions of uh, in, uh, worker visa people to fill those very IT jobs at a lower rate of pay. Mm-hmm. Yep, lower rate of pay and the IT field became saturated to where it wasn't even needed as much. So you had all these IT schools, New Horizons, all these pop up. People get out with their little degree. And then they go out there, and there's 20 IT workers for every job. Well, you know, you know, yeah. I'm exaggerating by saying it like that, but you know, right. the, the market was flooded. So it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. how much they tell us this is the new industry, and how quickly that industry evaporates. Yeah, people, well, part yeah, of people run out to go get a degree in it and learn about it. By the time they're done reading it, by the time they're done learning about it, the next thing has come up. <laughs> Just yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's just it's the uh, the irony, uh, the irony of it, I guess. Maybe chuckle there a little bit, but yeah, I mean that seems uh, how that you know, you know how that goes. I mean, because not everybody could be, as, as you pointed out, not not everybody could be a, an IT person. Yeah, yeah. And there's always going to be people that want to work with their hands. Yeah, well, and it's needed because hell, you yeah. can get to a space to where you you're raising all these damn tech children. Hey man, the grid's down. Hey man, that bridge just collapsed. <laughs> you got, you well, got any masons, any engineers? You gotta, well, no, you gotta no, go we'll back to school. Anymore. <laughs> but education <laughs> in high school in Germany, yeah. they teach them trades in high school. Yeah. Not just prepare them for college, but some they prepare to be machinists or carpenters or you know whatever trade, and they give mm-hmm. them classes appropriate to that. We need more of that kind of thing in our school. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of specialized training in the United States uh, curriculum. Yeah, I mean, teach yeah. them how to balance a checkbook. They actually taught us how to do an income tax return when I was in school. Of course, that was back in the 70s. Yeah, now it's not something that's mandatory. Now that's just like an elective. <laughs> right. They, they even had industrial math. They had industrial yeah. math where you learned all this different math that was used in industry. They don't have that anymore. Yeah. True. True. I mean, and that and, that even included trigonometry work, which you only got. And look, look, this has been going on a while. We've covered up a lot of it by throwing people in prison, which is something that people right. don't like to talk about. But <laughs> we've covered up a lot of not educating people and not having the actual spaces by throwing people in jail. Because let's be honest, you pulled everybody out of jail right now, and they were educated and had a degree and ready to work. Do we have the jobs? See what I mean? Probably not. <laughs> See what I mean? So, well, I, I got I got a cure for a good part of that in the drug war. Indeed. I don't empty out the prisons in due time, <laughs> just like it did in Portugal and uh, the Netherlands. I agree. 
much. Apparently, somebody believes there's plenty enough jobs because they keep issuing more visas and saying it's okay for the, us to have sanctuary cities, even though our debt and our, you know. Uh, That's because some people in power want uh, low-wage workers to come in and displace us. Yeah. That's yeah. the only reason for that. And they're coming in as workers, not immigrants, but workers. Yeah, if, if we revoke okay, business I mean, license I for hiring somebody who didn't people. have a legit uh, visa or, or legit uh, citizenship, then that shit would be over in months <laughs> if you revoke yeah. business well, license for hiring. It kind of brings and gentlemen, we have less than a half an hour for us to close things out and, and bring it back to topic. And, and here's, for exa- example, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I really push, uh, you know, because things just keep, you know, just fall into place, you know, and fall underneath, you know, the, some ben- you know, benefits of doing space exploration and, and just learn, getting the technologies for things of that nature. And I just got, uh, you know, it's a little short article. I'm not even going to read the article, just what. Uh, what they're speaking of. It says five things we have to thank. Uh, five things we have thanks to space uh, exploration, and it's just cell phone cameras. So you know the camera, you know, on your cell phones, and now everybody pictures, and now they have cameras on our cell phones. Whereas you know now if there's a crime occurring, we can get it, you know, live, and you know we can, you know, have it posted up, and you know address, you know. Things that I'm sure you've seen in the media and, and you know, things of that nature. So one's a cell phone camera. Now this is one that's near to my dear to my heart is clean energy uh, technology. And then uh, scratch with now some of these are, I would think were more important than others, but um, so scratch resistant lenses. Okay, yeah, that's those are nice to have, but don't need it. Now these two are very important: um, uh, water filtration and purification. So and I'll just go ahead and since that's important, since lest you think NASA tech is just used for superficial uh, creature comforts, think again. NASA has contributed quite a lot to the development of water purification technology over the years, just by necessity. NASA developed ways to filter water for manned space missions, but that's not all. Water purification technology also helped treat contaminated water after the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill off the coast of Mexico. Furthermore, technology developed to purify water on Apollo spacecraft is now used to purify dolphin tanks and is alternative to chemical disinfectants. Here's another one that's important I would think people would uh, say, CAT scans. A space program needs a pretty good digital image analysis to locate and measure objects. Digital imaging is the computer process numerical representation of physical images. The JPL played a lead role in developing this technology. This has proven incredibly useful in a variety of medical technologies like CAT scanners, radiography, and microscopy. There are just a few of the derivative technologies that we have to thank for investments and just uh, investment in space exploration. So, but frankly, folks, you know, CAT scans, water purification. So it's not just, hey, let's you know, get these technologies so we can go to the Mars or go back to the moon and maybe get helium-3 so that we can use that towards nuclear fusion plants. I mean, there's other technologies, and that's what I said earlier. There's other technologies, life-saving technologies that are developed, as they say, out of necessity to, uh, you know, to advance the space program. 
So, I mean, it, it not just advances the program itself. It doesn't just advance space exploration. It advance, I mean, microwave ovens. Microwave ovens were developed because of, uh, you know, needing it for the use of space programs. So if it wasn't for us you know, uh, dedicating, you know, resources to that, think of some of these technologies we wouldn't have today. Yeah, same as uh, Department of Defense with the Internet and, you know, drones and things like that, the money that's given to colleges so they can research things. Yeah, there's always offshoots of it. So, I, I, like I said, I wasn't trying to knock down space exploration. I'm just saying I, I think we just need to be, you know, astute with it, just careful and, and not go into a frenzy trying to chase them, but, you know, continue to explore them. Oh, yeah, definitely. We we should, we should have a base on the moon by now anyway. They promised us that back in the 70s. And I'm well, sure yeah, we should definitely keep going out there. Well, popular so they didn't get it funding. Hmm? Plus, you don't know no, if I should any have of said that. Stuff, we don't really know if any of this stuff would have materialized without the government financing because they use government financing as a mechanism to give them socialism, you know, where they can privatize the gains and socialize the losses. So to me, we can't even really know whether these items would have materialized without the federal government because we've had too many fingers in the pie already. And I just don't – government is government. Well, well, yeah, I mean, that has to be addressed too, public money and then to give away to private industry who can then profit on it as opposed to saying, okay, we created this, this is a national thing. Uh, like I told y'all last time, oh. that oil and natural gas in Alaska, that should be ours, not Exxon and BP. Yeah. Well, hey, to give you an example, something there, the EpiPen, that was tested, developed, et cetera, at VA hospitals on veterans. Do you think uh, there's anything going back to veterans on the profits for that stuff? No. I would say no. This is going to be totally <laughs> off topic, and this is probably going to burn your ass, uh, Scott, is that here's the I mean, talk about the EpiPen. I mean, you've got, what, what's that stuff, Narcan? Is that the stuff that people OD on heroin? Why yeah. is it that someone can OD on heroin, an ambulance can come with this Narcan or whatever the hell it's called, shoot somebody up with it to save their life, Right, and then yeah. through my understanding, they don't get a bill for it. But boy, if you have an allergy or something, and you need one of these epipens to save your life because you're allergic to peanuts or something, through my understanding, oh yeah, I'm aware. It's not Narcan in it, but it's like six hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm aware of that. Yeah, it's a, it, it 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 upsets me. That ain't right. That's yeah, not how, right how at do all. We, how do we divorce? Uh, health situations from intellectual property because those things going together can become, yeah, <laughs> that can get really dangerous, man. Okay. You know, Hey, they should try to recover that from uh, the addicts. They save like that. I'm not being cold blooded there. I'm not saying they got to pay up where they get the shop, but you know, they should have to pay that bill. Well, and here, and let me, let me talk, let me ask you this, John, I want to ask you this about, um, about paying on the on the space program, right? Okay, and I know your feelings. So I know we we were not going to belabor the point. And can people say because one of the reasons, the, at least the Obama administration, you know, pointed out why they didn't do much with the space program is the cost. And of course, we're spending so much money so that we can defend ourselves and kill people, which pisses me off. But anyway, is that you know because God, we got, if we just could spend 
the money that otherwise we'd have to spend for the military on things like space, space exploration. You know, we wouldn't have to be whining about the cost so much. Now, what about with two things Trump's talk about, uh, talking about doing? Okay, and that's repatriating a lot of the money that's out there uh, that, you know, these you know, companies, CEOs, uh, multinational corporations where, you know, they're, they're basically hiding their money in other countries and say, look, you're not t- spending the taxation on, you know, in this country and you're, you're kind of harboring it. That's the term I'm using. That's not what they're using. It. <laughs> harboring it in these other, you know, offshore, you know, out of the United States accounts. We need to repatriate the money for that. And then also, he, you know, the, the Democrats and liberals all the time are, you know, one their favorite phrase is, and I think I might even said this earlier tonight, or when we we're talking to our guest Amy tonight, and where you know, their favorite phrase is, well, they have to pay their fair share. The rich got to pay their fair share. Well, then you got Trump saying, look, you know, we got NATO, you know, there's NATO, we pay for most, we pay most of the, uh, you know, for the United Nations. As I said, we're going way off topic here, but. Um, you know, well, not really, because I'm going to bring it back to our, our topic. But let's say if we use that re- part of that repatriated money, use that money, supposedly if we do get it back from, from NATO, and you got the, the lives and deaths, like, oh, my gosh, you can't tell them that. And I even have friends at work, like, oh, my gosh, he's going to start a war, and he's offending our allies, and blah, blah, blah. You know, so let, let's just say we get that money back. We get the money from NATO, you know, that they've rightfully deserved to give us from all of our protection we've given them for the decades. And then we get the repatriation of the money, you know, and maybe we can, you know, that could offset what we pay on the military, okay, and then use that money towards, you know, reinvigorating the space program. I, I, you know, we want to talk about solutions here. That That's something where I, would, I was thinking could be a possible solution on how we pay for it. Yeah, I, I mean, diverting money from the Department of Defense, anything is possible when we talk about that huge glut of money. If we divert any of that money, yeah, anything is possible. But when we start talking about NATO, we got to remember one thing. We are self-appointed world police. We decided and mandated <laughs> that. Uh, the fact that Europe depends on us to defend them, there's, you know, there's two, there's two huge benefits we get from that. Well, one, it stopped the Europeans from having some type of squabble where we get into another you know, WW3 or, or something like that, because historically mm-hmm. there have been, you know, yeah. disturbances in Europe. We've had a peaceful Europe during this time with NATO. The other part, it checks Russia because they don't have to spend as much on military and they can kind of build up their nation. So countries are hesitant to kind of go into the Russian sphere, even though they're close. So when they start talking about NATO and then you start talking about arms sales, I think Trump will get a dose of reality when some of those Department of Defense people come in there and say, look, if you allow these countries to start building up their armies and militarizing, they're going to want to get into arms sales, and they're going to cut into our market share, and we don't like it. So I, I really don't see that NATO thing going anywhere. I really don't. Well, I don't know if, he, well, I don't know if he's saying build your own military. No, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think Trump's saying, hey, we're pulling, you know, you know build your own military, which they – don't have the the resources, you know, both physical resources or the monetary resources to do it, to build their own. They have to use, you know, use ours basically. Uh, but I, I don't think he's saying, hey, build your own military. I'm saying, hey, it's time for you to pay up what you should be paying us for your protect, for the protection that we're giving you. That's yeah, but if, if we do say. that, then they're going to they're gonna say, okay, well, we'll do it ourselves. We'll control our sphere of influence, and, and now they'll be, uh, you know, Monitoring the Mediterranean, they'll be, you know, do you think they'll actually be able to do that? Do you, 
do you really think they have the capability of doing that at this point? I, I think the yeah, United they States do. Look, doing they, it for they so do. long, they they're incapable of it. Yeah, they would divert the money that they spend in their country towards the military. They would get back to normal spending in the military. And then the, the argument for this would be the world would be a better place because then when something happens, they would be responsible for their sphere, and it's not us going across the world playing world police. So if some, some you know, terrorist action happens close to Europe, you'd have a European-style police force that handles that in a certain way as opposed to us being, you know, <laughs> like I said, world police. So, I mean, there's an argument for getting rid of NATO. I'm not sitting here as the pro-NATO guy, never get rid of I'm just saying there there are consequences to getting rid of it, too, and those arms dealers are not going to like anybody getting new markets. That's all I'm saying. And Scott, you want to the, the, the chime in on that? Well, I don't see anything wrong. Hey, if they're not going to build their militaries, let them pay for what we're doing. I don't think they can defend themselves, to be honest. from what I, Okay, now I'm a bit out of date from what I see when I was in. They, they weren't putting in any ships. You know, yep. some troops, but most of them were American. It was always the American troops that were the deciding factor. We saved our butts in two world wars. We kept Europe from being destroyed in the third one just by being there. They never paid us back for World War One or World War Two. Only a couple of countries did. Never got paid anything back for the Marshall Plan. Yeah, they should have to pay for the protection they're getting. It's not free. We shouldn't have to keep giving all this to Europe. They're adults. Let them pay for what they're getting. Yeah, you know, like I said, this is this is going to be a hot argument for the next few years and seeing how this plays out, man. But, yeah, like you said, that'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see which road they take. But I guarantee you it's not going to be them just forking over money. Those countries are going to start saying, <laughs> okay, we'll do it ourselves. Okay. We'll build our own military and hell. Well, I, I think they well, think we about that deal do... we just did with Israel. I think it's, uh, I think it's what is it, $8 billion or something like that, arms deal with Israel we just did. You think they don't want any, some of that sugar out there on the globe? <laughs> Where's Israel getting that eight? I think Israel's getting that eight billion from us to begin. Oh with. my God! Now you're now you're bringing up the other part. Yeah, so we give them. I think it's two billion a year. I don't know, but we give away <laughs> way around around the money away. Everybody well, they, in military. Look, two billion a year. Well, think about this. Think about this, folks. <laughs> okay, think about this. And we only got about ten minutes for us to shut things down. And I appreciate everyone uh, going on the show. We we didn't always stay on topic, but that's okay. It's fun. Uh, but let me let's say this: we gave okay. Let, we give Israel let's say two billion dollars a year, okay, to give for their military or whatever. It's going to take us seventy five. Let's say we do it to two billion a year. It's going to take us seventy five billion. Seventy five billion. It's going to take us seventy five years to pay all that money to Israel. That Iran deal just gave to them. Didn't, didn't Obama's administration just give them $150 billion? Yeah, but what does so that do, though? If we host, say we host, give host, too host, much, $2 billion on, to Israel. Hold on. Before, you, before yeah. you go there, what does that do, though? What does that do? What does Israel have to do after Iran is a little more empowered? Ah, we have to militarize even more. Ah, funny. We got something to sell to you. You see? The game continues. <laughs> so... <laughs> You got a point there. Yeah, but 150 billion is, as I said, 75 times more uh, than Israel. Than what they're giving to Israel, it'll take 75 years to make up that much money. Yeah, 
But the majority well, of the money should have never right gone back because they buy the military hardware and software from us. So that's the other. Well, part. that's true. So well, yeah, well, Israel does, industry. but I don't think I don't think. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Think about it, Naj, and you probably have. And think about it. Yeah, that two billion dollars is. You're right. It's probably coming back to us because they're buying it from us. Do you think Iran's buying 150 billion dollars of the military stuff from the United States? Do you think they're buying no, two Russia. billion worth of military? No, they're, buying, no, they're buying that shit from the Russians. Hey, but now, like I said, what happens? Now we got an arms race. Were enacted back in the 70s against Iran. All that money has been collected into a trust account here in America, and that's where that $150 billion came from. So it was actually their money that was being sucked yeah. from. So we we didn't really pay for it. We were just stopping them from receiving it because we have control of all the banking interests around the world. Is that yeah. true? Not yeah, that is true. That is well, how sanctions time, work. That's the first time I heard of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Froze no, their accounts, took that. the money, gave it back. Yeah. Now let them explore nuclear, the nuclear option again, which they're going to do, even though they're saying it's yeah. for energy. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, see, that's why people think, you know, and gosh, here we are, another topic. Um, that's why people think that yeah, Obama – it's not it's not with a Muslim himself definitely had strong Islamic sympathies. No, nah, see, this yeah. is this is the mistake people make. There are certain decisions that the president is going to do, whether it's an R or D. If Romney was in there, he would have done the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Like these are, you know, the big boy decisions that they're going to pressure the hell out of you to make a choice, and at a certain point, it doesn't matter which administration you are, you're going to do it. Uh, like Trump's not going to stop giving aid to Israel. You know what I mean? Like that's. Oh no, that's I know what expecting so. Yeah. So. No, but I'm, ta- I'm talking about that Iran deal. I'm talking about that Iran deal is what I'm talking about. I mean, 150 billion dollars. That's nuts. Well, okay. Now, now, okay. We just brought up, you know, the aid to Israel. Now, who else do we have in that region that buys a lot from us that we also, uh, you know, consider a partner? Ah, the Saudis. Well, Iran is just ramping up their military. Guess you better buy something else. <laughs> See, That's, it never nuts. stops, man. Why can't we just quit? How about we just tr- stop trying to kill each other for God's sake? <laughs> yeah, we should do like the Swiss. Well, that's the thing that drives me nuts. Our strong like, Come military, on, defend ourselves, and don't worry about anybody else. Yeah, look, I'm an anti-war, peaceful guy, but then when you start thinking about reality, what happens when the rabbit gets the gun? Do you want to be the military power or <laughs> being dictated to by somebody else as the military power? So it's like, oh yeah, I mean, well, I, no, you know, no, I'm all for us. No, I'm all for us. No, I, I get that. I mean, I'm all for us having a, a strong military. Don't get me wrong on that. I mean, I'm not a dove by any stretch of imagination. But I'm saying it's a shame. My, my, I guess I clarify. It's a shame we have to too much freaking money on on our military because we have to. You know, be strong because people want to destroy us. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's a shame that we have to do that. You know, I mean, I wish we could be, you know, be able to pursue more peaceful, I don't want to say pursuits, but, you know, avenues. And, and we can't because we do have too many idiots out there. But I do see, unfortunately, uh, gentlemen, that it's time for me to go. Let's get ready to close things out. So I do want to give each of you. Uh, just about a you know a minute or so, maybe a minute thirty uh, for just some final uh, thoughts of uh, tonight. 
And we are working on, and I'm, I'm maybe it could be as early as next week. Uh, it could be uh, the week after that. But we are working on getting uh, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin back on the show. Uh, we do have two dates uh, that they, uh, the scheduler, his press secretary, whoever is, is looking at. Uh, we're just uh, need to get back in contact. We're also uh, working on getting Sheriff Mack on the show. Uh, he's also part of the uh, Oath Keepers. Uh, we did have Stuart Rhodes, who's the founder of Oath Keepers, on some time ago. Uh, but we are looking to get Sheriff Mack on. I, I got some comp, uh, contact information for him, and so we'll uh, be looking forward to, to having him on the show. And then we'll uh, get some other guests. Or if you're out there and you'd like to have a guest, come on. Uh, I know, Scott, uh, you were talking about uh, trying to get uh, trying to get. Yeah, Scott, you were talking no. about trying to get somebody. Uh, if you give me some contact information, Scott, I could get somebody on. But anyway, as I said, we only got about one minute each person so far I have to close things out. So here's how we'll do it. We'll go ahead and, uh, Scott, I'll give you the, the first, and then we'll go to you, Naj, and then John, and then uh, I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Well, I guess my main point with calling in tonight was John McCain is, is, was bad news when he was on active duty with the Navy, and they whitewashed some of that when he went into politics. But he's never been good. He's never had America first. I think he really is a Manchurian candidate. And I never trusted a man. We, he needs to just retire and go away. He's bad news. And I do agree with you about, yeah, space exploration be a good thing. But other than that, that's all I got on it. Well, appreciate it, Scott. We'll be able to, you know, have you call again. And then you, uh, we have the link. Uh, just, you know, share that out to folks so they can listen to the podcast as well as they can either use that link or they can find uh, and under Make America Great Again, I believe, is just kind of the short uh, for tonight. Uh, I just threw in there. But they can find all the episodes, which they can download on their uh, iPhone. Um, well, yeah, I guess iPhone, iPad, or some. But the real one advice is for free. You can find there and on iTunes. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Nash. Uh Yeah, just just look to your, the, the other citizens in this nation and understand that sometimes you just disagree on things. It doesn't make that other person a monster doesn't make that other person out to destroy the country and ruin everything. Uh, sometimes you're just going to disagree politically, and we got to figure out a way to do that as adults. And all of the things I talked about as far as world affairs and foreign policy and things like that, remember, that is just my opinion. You'll find dissenting opinions everywhere. So don't take anything I said as the confirmed truth. Challenge it. Research it. Come up with your own answers. And sometimes you might agree with me, though. So, you know, it is what it is. Here, here. And sometimes we do, Naj. I appreciate it. And yes, we definitely uh, recommend folks, you know, what we've always had since we uh, started the show, and that's, you know, do your own research. You know, don't, as I've always said, hey, don't take my word for it. Let what I've said or the people you've heard say things on the show, let that pique your curiosity. So that as you uh, said, Naj, go out and do your own research and, and find things out uh, yourself. And so let's go ahead and you got the, the last minute, John, before I have to shut things off tonight. Go ahead. Yes, and I'm very appreciative of all the intellectual stimulation with this show and Naj and Scott and everybody involved 
And I'm all about inclusiveness because I believe unity demands teamwork. And in order for us to make this nation work, we got to be working as a team. And the only way we can do that is when everybody has mutual assent and they all feel vested in the outcome of the goal. Otherwise, if they feel undermined, they're just going to continue to backstab and pull tricks too. But don't forget to go to um, pardonsnowden.org and check it out. Help us pardon Snowden. Back to you, Mr. Robert. Well, that's definitely interesting. Well, uh, yeah, what, pardonsnowden.com, is that what that is? Dot .org. Dot .org. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, pardonsnowden.org. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, have to check that out and maybe get uh, some, some of those folks on the show. That would be uh, fascinating itself. Well, folks, I want to thank everyone again uh, for coming to the show. I definitely want to invite uh, everyone to come back. And while you're inviting yourself back on, invite uh, someone to join you uh, so they could join in our roundtable discussion and be a part of the show because this is the, this is the grassroots where the people show. So I'm always uh, consider the show kind of like a party, the more the merrier. And so, of course, as you know, uh, as soon as you call in, we'll keep you on the line as long as you'd like to stay and be a part of our conversation. And so what I'll do is uh, end tonight, as I do every night, and that is for the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. We will see you next week. And looking forward to it. And good night. Thank you.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.